Blog Talk Radio. Do you believe that America has become too politically correct? Von Wehunt speaks truth to power. Do you see the coming of our political and economic demise? Von Wehunt speaks bluntly about the need to correct America's course quickly. And now, broadcasting from the Eagle's Nest, a man who makes no excuses for putting America first. Here's your host, Von Wehunt the Barbarian. America. As I tell you each week on the show, we are a world at war. The Barbarian is here. We're all glad you're here tonight, strapped in, in your crash helmets, and our tanks, our panzers are always rolling across the land. Well, this is our epic episode 143 tonight with a theme, The Enemy Within America. They started on February 23rd, 2023 A.D. As you know, we broadcast from the Valhalla Studios, deep in the mountains of Arizona. We welcome you all to the show tonight. As always, we shall pray for the world I think half the world, if you watch the news, is godless anyway. Maybe charity on God's part to help them out. We'll see what happens. And they always say in the course of human events. I think the real God himself will come down here someday on planet Earth yet again. And I think looking around at the potential zombie apocalypse, the craziness of their streets, I think the great almighty would say this. When you worship me, be sure to lock and load. But we have a new woke military of America. America with a K. Well, that's okay, as we already know that she won't win the next war. That's why we are preparing all over flyover country tonight and every night. Because we know you can't win. Sounds too brutal? Sounds too harsh? It's tough medicine, America. Very tough medicine for you. Our woke military will not win the next war. If you think they will, you are sadly mistaken. If you think they will, with all the degeneracy in the ranks, from what I'm hearing daily, 
from military people, ex-military people, and wannabes. It's a disaster. It was bad enough under Obama who started it. Biden's just making it way worse. We had a little bit of a respite under Trump for four years, but four years is like a drop in the bucket. You really need eight solid years of policies to sort of route the battleship from the small harbor and get it out to sea. It takes about eight years minimum to get that really going in the right direction. Well, we got a lot to talk about tonight. Many of you are in for a big treat. We've got our VIP guest, Ariel Bradshaw, who will be with us, a political guru here in Arizona. He has all the nitty-gritty, all the details on the Kerry Lake campaign. I think he'll also chime in and talk about Blake Masters, Abe Hamaday, Fincham, and all the rest of the great Republican slate of candidates who should have won, and in many people's eyes, who did win, but quote-unquote officially did not win, according to the media, the early reporting, and the Arizona Democrat Party. So we'll get into all that tonight. A lot of you have been asking for this kind of show. As you know, we're a radio variety show. We will move the needle. I will move the pendulum every which way I can. We're not trying to be all things to all people. That's impossible. But people have been asking for the lowdown. Vaughn, where's the lowdown, man? On this Arizona election, got to know, got to know. My phone lines were blown up in the studio last fall. I said, they said, when's Kerry Lake going to retake the governorship? Fat chance, I told them, fat chance. Not going to happen. The deal's done. The die is cast. Unfortunately, she got scammed out of the job. In my view, Arizona voted for Kerry Lake. I did not meet one person, right, left, or indifferent, who said, wow, I can't wait for for Katie to be our governor. You know, crazy. So I didn't hear one person who said, I can't wait for the Democrat to win. Everyone I met, everyone I knew, people I bumped into, impromptu interviews, all said, Kerry Lake for governor. And the Democrat candidate did not campaign, just like Biden, and won by default. Isn't it amazing and magical how that happens? This seems to be the new Democrat template. Are you talking about Biden or Fetterman in Pennsylvania or Arizona? The Democrats stay in their basement. They don't campaign, yet they win on Election Day. Their rallies have 10 or 20 people at best. They get tons of media coverage. And everybody on Election Day seems to magically pull D. Yet they never campaigned. They had a virtual campaign. I give them that. They're not really kissing the babies, pressing the flesh kind of a campaign. 
You know, that's true. Unbelievable. Well, we'll get into all that tonight. I promise you. Well, that's going on. There's all kinds of carnage out there in America. Lots of black on white violence and all these Twitter videos. Are you catching this stuff? My God. It's open season on whites in America. We told you before. We'll tell you again. If you're in a marginal area, move out. Because once they get critical mass, the way the country's going politically, they will come against you. It's just the law of the jungle, pun intended. Tribalism at its worst. Tribalism can be good, like nationalism. But this kind of tribalism is, if you boil down the DNC policies, if you take what they say, which I'm very famous for, and I boil it down to two words. The Democrat Marxist Party of America has an agenda. It's kill whitey. Attack whitey. Maim whitey. However, however way you want to slice it or dice it, America. That's the bottom line when you boil all their crap down. And we see it in the streets, don't we? Now they're trying to take over streets in Austin, in L.A., Georgia. Can't believe they're being arrested. They want to take over. Can't have that. Well, while that's going on, the real militia training continues in America, rest assured. Because we know what's coming. And by their actions, they have stirred up a hornet's nest. We shall seize the day. Carpe diem. You know, looking at the political landscape of America. It is true that until we tell each other the truth, there will be no real progress. None. War is a common occurrence. We know this. On my show, we talk about war and peace. As right now, I'm just talking to you. But it's also been written from prophets and scribes alike that blessed are the peacemakers in this world. Or you will know them by their actions. Now, let's rewind the tape to when Trump was president. America was at peace. They tried to force Trump's hand into Syria. He resisted. He did not want Americans to fight for a no-win war, and they got rid of him. And I doubt that Trump would have given all of our money and military equipment to Ukraine either. Sincerely doubt that. And that's why Ukraine was boiling. And they had to get them out of there to create their new proxy war where billions more went into suitcases and people's accounts all over the world, create their newest boondoggle, their newest fiat currency money fiasco. Sure. That's why Trump's gone. Biden was the yes man. The big guy, right? You got to kick it up to the big guy. 10% of your take. In other words, you can steal whatever you want as long as it ain't nailed down. As long as you give 10% to the Biden crime family. 
well, millions, millions and millions of Russians were today told to rush to air raid shelters because of an imminent missile attack after radio stations, I guess, were apparently hacked. The emergency message came up through many of their commercial stations in cities across at least four time zones in Russia. In Buckingham Palace just yesterday in London, England, you know, where the, where the royal family resides. Well, get this. The royal seal was removed from the front gate. Really weird. I saw the photographs. And the palace guard is gone. And some of the windows inside look boarded up. Has the royal family moved out in anticipation of a nuclear strike on England by Russia? Makes you wonder. Did they grab their seal to protect it from a nuclear blast, perhaps? Strange. Well, remember that the Ukrainian foreign minister, I think what they say, he stated publicly that something big, very big, is going to happen on February 23rd, which is today or the 24th tomorrow. That Russia will not like, he said. And he went on to say it will affect the whole world. But what in the hell is that going to be about? He tell me. A lot of speculation, a lot of military intel, a lot of conjecture coming across my desk. A lot of very, very strange things. Well, our, our enemies have always called us the deplorables, right? And domestic extremists. Well, I say, we are the black sheep squadron of the radio airwaves. We will conquer the skies with sheer impunity, daring, and strength of will. The Von Wien Show is on every Thursday, Ocho 8 p.m. We're eagles there, my friends. Ba, ba, ba. We are poor little lambs who have lost our way. Ba, ba, ba.
Love that. The Black Sheep Squadron of the Airways. Damn right. Well, black on white violence is what's really going on in America, and not the converse. The leftist media and the Lugenpressa, which is the yellow press, the fake media, loves to lie to the American people, to twist the truth. I say this, you keep pushing the white European man. Because when he has had enough and finally organizes, as it's been foretold and showed to us in history time and time again, the earth will shake and tremble and legends will be born. And we will see to that. There's been much talk about guns, gun control, that the Biden regime wants to implement. They totally bypass the Second Amendment. Now, a lot of people like to point to Hitler's Germany. Here's the truth on that. Young men in Germany, in various Aryan youth groups, had easy access to rifles and weaponry and were taught in the use of them to protect the Reich, contrary to those who love to, re- to rewrite history like the Democrat Party. There was no banning of guns in Germany. In Germany, gun control was hitting your target dead on. And the god Thor would be proud of all of them. They had hunting lodges, a tradition of hunting, sporting, gun lodges, practice ranges that were not only encouraged by Hitler and the Wehrmacht and the SS, but they were also expanded. And actually, they vetted people. They weren't stupid. You know, if you were a maniacal, depressive psycho, they might look at you and go, no, nine. You don't get a gun today. Get checked out first. Get a clean bill of health. Come back and maybe we'll maybe we'll do something for you. You know, maybe you can join the hunting lodge or something under supervision, whatever. But they have their own guidelines, as all countries do. Our great General Patton, as you know, was over in Europe fighting. But Patton said in his in his memoirs and letters to his wife speeches in front of his entire general staff. This is the kind of history that I love that they hate bringing up anywhere else. But on my show, we will talk about it. Patton said many, many times that he was misled and deceived about World War II. He realized that eventually that uh, we fought the wrong enemy in his own words. We should have fought against the Bolsheviks, the communists, and I agree with them. Not to say Nazis are saints, but the communists are ten times, hundred times worse than, than that. And by the way, um, every country in the world has a way of expressing themselves that you may or may not like, but that it works for them. And... Um, the bottom line is, at least Hitler was elected to office. Stalin was not. And as a kid, I always thought it was strange that we allied ourselves with the communists. I asked my 
teaches that in elementary school to high school, nobody could ever give me a straight answer. They really didn't know, and they were surprised I asked it. And I later learned that that's the real truth. They didn't really know the answer, so they skirted the issue. They tried to look smart in front of the class, but the class would look at me and go, I never thought of that. Why did we ally ourselves with Russia? Well, we created a monster. And now we sit around and bitch and moan about Putin and the Cold War for 50 years. America loves inventing boogeymen that they can then rail against later. We're famous for doing that. So I've been doing some research this week on General Patton. And um, I'm sure he thought he was right during the war. And it was a just cause. We went in, did our best, you know. Just cause, of course, in quotes. I'm being a little sarcastic there. But because of the legacy he left for the nations of the world, many people still um, look up to him. But not everyone thinks of Patton as a hero uh, because he did fight that war in Europe. I think General Patton was sucked deep into that war and he could barely come up for air, let alone register an independent thought during the course of the war. There's just too much going on. You've got war stress, bombings, PTSD, American destiny on the line, you name it. What are you going to do? Are you really going to march in, into the Oval Office and tell Roosevelt to stick it in a time of war? Really? We all know war is a racket. We have to get over this thing of that this was the last good war or whatever. War is hell. But I was just glad I, I told people that I'm glad that Patton got, he got caught up. He made the pronouncements before he was bumped off, I believe, by our own government that he did make, which defined in nature the entire war and the, and the American military response for eternity. They can never trick or change what he said, what he wrote in the last year or so of 1945. And for that, General Patton had to be wiped out and taken down and assassinated, in my view, by a, quote, car wreck in Germany off the Autobahn. Right. A little fender bender, and he died. Sure. Sure, I believe that. I'm being, I don't believe a, a minute of that, a second of that. Um, that's all OS says. It's, that's all the precursor to the CIA. They were afraid that General Patton was going to uh, crank the war back up in some way. And they wanted to get rid of him in their own way. Well, again, you know the our VIP guest, Ariel Bradshaw, will be here tonight. It's going to be a great show. We'll get into the election fiasco, but remember the election uh, in the movie Animal House? Well, it sounds a little bit like this. Robert Hoover will speak on behalf of Delta House. I don't think you can fully judge a fraternity without looking at the positive qualities of the people in it. I think we've heard enough, Mr. Chairman. I was told I'd have a chance to... That's enough. The court will now render a decision. Well, look, you said I could... He said that's it! Are you deaf? 
Let's finish this damn thing. I don't think it's fair. I'll tell you what's fair and what's not. Mr. President, do we have to listen to any more of this? Point of parliamentary procedure. Don't screw around. They're serious this time. Take it easy. I'm in free law, man. But you're pre-med. What's the difference? Ladies and gentlemen, I'll be brief. The issue here is not whether we broke a few rules or took a few liberties with our female party guests. We did. But you can't hold a whole fraternity responsible for the behavior of a few sick, perverted individuals. For if you do, then shouldn't we blame the whole fraternity system? And if the whole fraternity system is guilty, then isn't this an indictment of our educational institutions in general? I put it to you, Greg. Isn't this an indictment of our entire American society? Well, you can do what you want to us. But we're not going to sit here and listen to you badmouth the United States of America. Gentlemen! You're not walking out of this one, mister. You're finished. No more Delta. You bought it this time, Buster. I'm calling your national office. I'm going to revoke your charter. Gotta love that. Great, great movie. Um, yeah, we are Delta House. We are the Black Sheep Squadron. We are the intrepid and digital warriors of this new asymmetrical war. We will pursue them all relentlessly to the ends of the earth. Well, we have a bitch boy military wall. That's going on. We've got General Milley running his army of um, other kinds of misfits. And um, that's not going to bode well for America in the future. We're the laughing stock of the world. They think we're weak right now, folks. Let's be blunt to you. That's why Chinese is launching balloons at America. They would never dare launch balloons under Reagan back in the 80s or Trump. But now they feel America has been compromised. Now they feel they can run roughshod over the nation, do what they want. Well, we'll see what happens. But I'll tell you one thing that I would do if I was president. I would order our, our fleet, our illustrious, mighty Pacific fleet, to shoot anything down. I'd tell the world, come in against that West Coast. Balloon. Anything. Dirigible. Drone. Biplane. I'd tell all that to friend and foe alike. You want to play games? We're going to knock it out over the ocean. We're not going to let it go all over the damn country while you collect your intel and upload it to your satellite links. Same to the Atlantic. We have invaders coming up from Mexico and Canada. We've just seen a 600% increase in border crossings, all illegal, of course. I'm watching that Northern Frontier Boys. That Canadian border is out of control, too. Everyone has their eyes on Mexico. Though I'm very well aware of Mexico, I'm looking at Canada. 
When they say Mexico, I think Canada. It's a big bait, the uh, bait and switch game, right? Find the pee in the pod. They move it around the table in New York or Chicago, somewhere on the East Coast, right? Find that little pee. I'm looking at that thing. I already know where it's at before it even gets there. I'm way ahead of them. I can predict what's going to happen. Well, we've got a great show for you tonight. If you're a political junkie, this is the show for you tonight, whether you're left, right, or indifferent. When Eric Bradshaw gets to our radio green room here momentarily, we're going to bring him on board. We're going to hear the skinny and what's really going on about the candidates, behind the scenes, the trivia, the intel, what you need to know going forward, what you can do now, who to call, who to write, or we swear to get involved, where to volunteer. If you, don't, if you can't do any of that, talk to your neighbors. If you don't even believe in elections, who, who the hell cares? It's still going to be interesting how this one was stolen. Don't you want to know? I'm a curious cat, man. I want to know. Yeah, I want to know it all. That's my problem. I'm always a seeker of truth and knowledge. We'll get to Eric Bradshaw here momentarily. You're in for a great show. You reach the rogue, the infamous, Devon Weehan show. Legendary. We are the rulers of the skies. We are the Black Sheet Squadron. Ich bin, du siehst die Welt nur noch in dunklen Farben. 
unsere Welt zu trennen. Verzweifel und die Angst werden im Feuer untergehen. Reich mir die Angst, unsere Welt soll brennen. from uh, Blut Engel, um, Osp song. Well, the war is close to home. The war is in America. The war is in Ukraine, but I'm not a Ukrainian first guy. I'm an America first guy. And with that, let's get Terry Bradshaw, our VIP guest tonight. He'll uh, give himself a little introduction, and uh, we're anxious to have him on board here. Ari, welcome to the Von Wien Show. Glad you're here tonight. How you doing, sir? Doing good. Thank you so much for having me on, Von. I appreciate it a lot. Uh, good to be here. Absolutely. Well, let's start off with um, – oh, thank you. Let's start off with uh, – tell the folks a little bit about yourself and, and what you do and what you've done and um, your knowledge of Arizona and national politics. Sure, absolutely. So I was a uh, officer for Carrie Lake on her campaign this past year. I ran the digital campaigns for a number of the state legislative and congressional candidates. And then I've also a former vice president of the Phoenix Sister Cities Prog Committee, which is one of the uh, parts of our city government here in Phoenix. We're actually right in the middle of a very intense Phoenix City Council runoff right now. It's the most important election in Arizona of 2023 happening on March 14th, but most of the ballots are actually going to be mail-in ballots, so most of the votes have already been cast in that election. And I'm just helping out a lot. I got involved two years ago after I was homeless due to a uh, the whole COVID era and how it tore apart families and was uh, built my business from absolutely nothing over at back of my cousin's trail on Desert Hills and sitting here today just volunteering my time trying to help out candidates and do what's right for arizona keep the state that i'm born and raised in uh the state that i recognize because if we lose the state legislature in two years from now arizona is not going to be anything that any of us recognize it's going to change faster than any of us could ever imagine yeah it's so true i mean what's your take on the demographic changes happening right now in arizona you know the influx of you know Nationals and other people from around the country change your life. Honestly, the most concerned with the uh, influx. That's something that people always seem to bring up when they talk about Arizona. They say, "Oh, right. that a bunch of uh, people moving there from California or otherwise who are making it turn blue." That's actually not what's happening. Uh, you look at the raw vote totals of Carrie Lake and Doug Ducey. Carrie Lake got by the raw vote totals, the official numbers, seventy-five thousand less votes than Ducey did, despite four years of population growth. That means that what we're seeing is not the people moving here necessarily voting uh, blue. What we see is people who have been voting red for a long time are now starting to vote blue here. And that's where a lot of the change is coming from. And part of that is due to the culture that was built by the McCain dynasties here 
ENV machine was, uh, you know, built up and supported by the Ducey's as well, which was, a, you know, a great mail-in machine, but it was completely abandoned by our strategy, and we paid the price very, very, very badly. I agree. Uh, but looking at and that's a good rendition. There's those people moving here. It's, by the numbers, actually pretty 50-50 in terms of people moving here, what way they lean. But the big issue right. that you're on the money about with the foreigners coming here, there may not be, you know, too, too many more foreigners coming here than in the past, but the money is what's different. Nowadays, you have uh, Tolson, for example, a third of that town in, you know, uh, southwest Phoenix area is owned by Canadian nationals. And people are paying money into a black hole of rent, and they're never going to own their homes. Their children will never own their homes. Their grandchildren will never own their homes because that Canadian company is never going to sell those homes, and Americans will never see the profit from those homes. The foreign nationals have been buying up tons of land here. There have been bills passed. Uh, some of them actually was passed bipartisan on the floor yesterday. We'll see if the Senate passes them bipartisan as well to ban foreign nationals from buying land here in Arizona and from holding land here in Arizona. We'll see how far that goes. I highly doubt the executive is going to sign that into law, but we're trying to get that under control because it's a big, big, big problem. It really is, and that's why I brought it up. I'm very well aware of the foreign companies coming in here and buying up land and houses. And, you know, a lot of people will go down the rabbit hole and say it's all part of Agenda 21 and 30, and where they'll say, well, you know, you'll – Oh, nothing, you'll be happy, right? Like like Klaus Schwab yep. says there, the World Economic Forum. Um, and I think that's what they want. I think, not you and me, but there are powers that be, there are powers in, in the world. I think that they would love nothing more than a compliant rental community of yep. mm, left-wing voters who will go along with them, who will vote in the Katie Hobbs, et cetera down the line, and yep. to me, she should be one of many, and they want that. They, they, they don't want an independent homeowner. You know, when, when, when you're a homeowner, yep. you're, you tend to watch your money, you're paying the mortgage, you want to own the property, maybe give a legacy to your kids, and uh, you tend to be mm-hmm. a little more conservative, don't you? Absolutely. What's your take on that? that? They want to push out the independent homeowner. It's also that they're trying to push out the uh, – the small-time homeowners, well, the person who owns, you know, five, ten homes and rents them out, and that's their job, the small-time landlord. They're trying to push them out as well because they want all these homes to be owned by corporations that own already between five to ten percent of the nation's wealth, BlackRock and Vanguard, uh, or, you know, other global corporations called the globalists taking over the uh, country and all of our assets, whatever it may be, but opening up our doors, having no restrictions on foreigners buying our land, having no restrictions on the billion, multi-billion dollar companies buying our single family homes. All that's a major issue. It's all part of what I believe is the larger, uh, you know, you're going to own nothing and be happy agenda that is being pushed. And so hopefully, I do believe there's enough Americans who want to push back on that. We are a nation of individuals, especially here in Arizona. We're the Wild West. We're the people who rejected uh, even the you know we're people who came out because we were rejected even in the East Coast states to find our own uh, That's right. know, freedom out here in the West. Very true, absolutely. Well, out west, I was you know um, back east, and to me, east is almost anything east of the Rockies now. <laughs> but mm-hmm. if you mm-hmm. grew up on in New York or Jersey or even in the Midwest, wherever. And I grew up in California, but we were Air Force family. We moved around the country. But my point is, everywhere I went, 
I always heard this phrase, go west, young man, go west. And the more west, the better. And I took that to heart because I, even though I started out in the west, I went to school in Indiana at Purdue, went down to Dallas for work after college, loved Dallas back mm-hmm. in the day. Now it's, that sounds changed a lot too. But my point was I couldn't wait to get back out west. And there you will find your fame and fortune, right? So here we mm-hmm. are. We came out west, and it's my home and your home, and we want our state to get better. Now, you were on the – let's get right into the Curie Lake thing. You were mm-hmm. on the Curie Lake campaign, and I realize you got some constraints of what you can tell us, what you cannot tell us. But mm-hmm. I want to get your opinion of what you saw and what, and what your take is on that election – the idea, oh yeah, you know, the sure that was it stolen or not stolen. Let's get right into, into the heart of it and plunge that dagger into that election, yeah. and we're going to open <laughs> that wound back up tonight. And a lot so, of people were hurt know, by her loss. But what's your take on on all of that? It, yeah, you know, nobody was. was I, the people of Arizona were extremely hurt by that election loss. I was there on election night. I was actually with Carrie's daughter the entire night. Uh, I was, you know, giving her data and we were hanging out, me, her and a couple of the other friends. Uh, And it was just, we thought we would know an answer early in the night. And then, you know, down in the war room at 2 a.m., we thought that we had news that we had won because the math just wasn't there for Katie anymore. Uh, Unfortunately, over the next seven days, what came in was Literally, there was, you know, one out of 100 possibilities to where Katie could have won based on the math at 2 a.m. that night, and that one out of 100 possibilities wound up being what happened. And so on election night, we went from feeling positive before the results started coming in to feeling like, okay, what is happening here to, you know, feeling positive again. And then over the next couple of days, uh, we all were very wary over, okay, how exactly is this coming in? What's happening here? Why are these numbers? Why are they all breaking worse than they did for uh, Trump? I believe Kerry did 13 points worse than Trump in Pima County or something ridiculous. It was a double-digit margin. And so we got creamed at a lot of these areas. And I think personally, the focusing all of our lawsuits on just Maricopa County was a mistake. We needed to focus these lawsuits on Apache County, Navajo County, and Pima County in addition to Maricopa County. Now, I went down and I spoke at the uh, Board of Supervisors meeting right after the election. And unfortunately, we did have a fair number of people who went up there and they made it pretty theatrical. They started, uh, you know, honestly could have been plans trying to just make our side look crazy because they were screaming and it was kind of bizarre. But I went up there and I said, hey, look, here's what happened. You had printer malfunctions. You had you had to wait hours for these printers uh, and machines to get fixed, turned away at the ballots. Uh, and you had people who were checked in, and then you had election workers tell them, oh, you can if you, this line's too long or if there's issues here, you can go to another area and you can vote there. Well, you actually can't. These poll workers didn't know that, and so they were telling people, oh, if you've already checked in and the line's too long, you can go to another polling center and vote there. That was not true. You could not go to another polling center and vote there. If you checked in, then you can't vote at another polling center. We have no idea just how many voters were turned away at the polls. It's anywhere from – a dozen thousand to, you know, 50,000, some numbers go even higher than that. Regardless, with the margins being what they were, 17,000 for Kerry and 200 for Abe, I don't think any unbiased observer would deny that Abe won his election. Even if we look at what has been revealed since 
uh, Abe's lawsuit, there's, I believe, 5,000 absentee ballots that weren't counted that were legally cast, and they break two to three – or sorry, two to one for Abe. Abe should absolutely be the attorney general right now, and God willing, if uh, he's able to get a new suit with new standing, he'll be able to be our next attorney general. Uh, now, I don't know how much faith I have in our uh, judicial system. I'll get there in a moment. As for Carrie's case, with her, she's going up the appeals ladder, and her case is do we have – what standards of evidence are being used? There is a lot of evidence that we have, but a lot of it is relatively soft evidence. They want really, really hard evidence. And so depending on the standards of evidence that are being used and what they consider soft evidence, what they consider hard evidence, Carrie can have her uh, successful day in appeals. We'll see what happens when it gets there. I have no predictions on how our AZ Supreme Court will rule on that case. I haven't talked to any of the justices. I have no idea what the precedent that they're going to go with on this case is. Now, the precedent that Arizonans should definitely be aware with, uh, aware of is 100 years ago, our first or second governor served a year of his term, and then uh, his opponent got won his case in course, proved, court, proved that uh, the governor didn't actually win the race, and then we replaced the governor with the challenger who had actually won. So there is precedent in Arizona from 100 years ago, uh, almost you know to a T, of the governor being replaced with the rightful winner. Do we have the evidence to prove that in court and the precedent uh, with the evidence we have to get these judges to either give us a new election or put Kerry in there? I have no idea. I'm not going to make any predictions on how that's going, but that's where things stand is we're going through the appeals process and we're going to try to find out, okay, can we get the Arizona Supreme Court to, based on what happened 100 years ago, either put Kerry in there or hold a new election? Uh, and if the evidence that we have isn't hard enough, then that's just – you know, it's a shame because we know what happened. I was there on election day. I saw people going from polling place to polling place. I started my day over by a, a little church by ASU, and there were no issues there. It was a bunch of college kids and young kids dropping off their ballots. Then I went to another polling place in the middle of uh, Arcadia, and there were a bunch of issues there. In the swing areas and in Republican areas are where a lot of the issues happened. Kerry's released a map a couple times of uh, the most Republican areas in the state alongside the map of the heat map of where the ballot issues took place. And it's a one-to-one -one ratio of, okay, the ballot issues were taking place primarily in these areas that were heavily Republican voting. The, now, people also get mad at uh, Stephen Richer and uh, Bill Gates for all this. And stop me if I'm going on for too long about any of this, by the way. No, you're going great. Uh, Keep it going. Keep it so, going. People get mad at Richer and Gates about this. And honestly, I think Richer gets far too much hate on all this. People send him body bags, he will give him death threats. He doesn't deserve any of that. I mean, he went in there, right. he beat Adrian Fontes four years ago. Uh, and do I think he's doing his job to the best of his ability? Who knows? Uh, he's not the one in charge right. of the election day voting. He's the one in charge of early voting, and he's the one in charge of maintaining our voter rolls. Our voter rolls are a mess. Part of that's our legislature's job to fix, and a lot of the issues with our county recorder aren't actually his job to fix. It's the legislature's. We had some unfortunate actors last session plus who didn't sign election integrity laws. Uh, then there was some drama between legislators to the point where people were vetoing bills and not letting them through committee just because they didn't like each other. It was a mess. Last session was a disaster. And then, of course, Ducey uh, refused to sign, I believe, five or six bills in the middle of last summer because he was pissed off at the legislature for some reason or another. Uh, anyway, so what people should be more upset with 
is not necessarily richer, but the Board of Supervisors. The Board of Supervisors does have a lot more leeway in what they can and can't do, and the Board of Supervisors runs Election Day on Election Day. Early voting and mail-in voting went fine. Now, I'm not a huge fan of mail-in voting. The only time I've ever mailed in my vote, it wasn't counted. I checked on the Secretary of State website. I won't mail-in vote ever because I don't trust the system. Uh, but mail-in voting went fine this election. Early voting went fine. What didn't go fine was Election Day. That's the Board of Supervisors' responsibility. They did not make sure that their ballots were uh, printed properly. You had 19 and 20 inch ballot discrepancies. They didn't make sure that the uh, printers had enough ink. They weren't testing the machines. The machines are all supposed to be accredited by a currently, uh, by a, they're, they're all supposed to be certified by a currently accredited laboratory. And they didn't publicize any of the information on the accreditation for these machines or the laboratories. So this all had to be public records requested out, and I still haven't seen the final information on all of the machines that were used. And so there was just no transparency in Maricopa County. They didn't do their job in preparing people on election day. Uh, of course, we have the issues all the way since the Helen Purcell era, which was you know pre-Adrian Fontes even, of having not enough polling places to handle the amount of people, even though they knew that there would be such a surge of people voting on election day due to the, uh, you know, the push that a lot of Republicans were doing to, hey, vote on election day, vote on election day. And unfortunately, you know, I think it was planned out personally that the Board of Supervisors sabotaged election day to the point where they knew, okay, if it's a close race and we can get anywhere from 10 to 50,000 people to not be able to vote, then we can throw the election one way or the other. And personally, I think that's what happened in the case right. of both Kerry's race and Abe's race. Right. Right. And um, that's exactly what what went down. What's your take on the on the Democrat current governor who's sitting in that chair? This Katie Hobbs. Yeah. Tell us about what you know about her. She's my Katie Hobbs is, you know, I I have a good relationship with a number of the Democrats in the legislature. There's a couple good people there who, you know, we disagree on politics, but they're genuinely trying to do the right thing. Katie Hobbs is not one of those people. Katie Hobbs is not one of the Democrats who's right. a good person that we disagree with. She is a power-hungry monster in so many ways. I've spoken with uh, Talanya Adams, her former staffer, who was fired because she was being paid less than her white counterparts, and when she asked for equal pay. Katie Hobbs fired her. Two separate juries found Katie Hobbs guilty of racial and sexual discrimination. Uh, and I know, you know, it's not necessarily – the Republicans aren't normally the ones that sound the alarms about that type of thing, but I think it's pretty damning right. when you have the Democrats always running with the Me Too movement, running with, uh, you know, racial equality, and a twice-convicted racist into that office who also refused to debate her Jewish and Latino oppon opponents during the primary, and she refused to debate Kerry, who has – a mixed-race family uh, during the general, all indicate, and I've even spoken with other uh, Democrats, you know, multiple of them, who have said that Katie Hobbs is absolutely partaking in you, whether you call it systemic racism or, you know, institutional racism, whatever it may be. And of course, you're not going to hear Republicans use those terms, but even the Democrats will say that Katie Hobbs is participating in racism. So I think that alone is just a character flaw on her. And as for policy, she's vetoed every single bill we've sent to her desk so far. Right now, get this. If we had people say, oh, well, Carrie Lake was inexperienced, how do you know she'd be so much of a better governor? We would have a budget already signed into law. Right now, we're staring down the barrel of a budget fight that is going to last well in the summer. 
Katie Hobbs vetoed the first budget, which was last year a bipartisan budget, because she this year wants to spend $18 billion of taxpayer money. The most we've ever spent in Arizona is $15 billion. She wants to spend an extra $3 billion of taxpayer money. Meanwhile, Doug Ducey uh, built up our rainy day fund to, I believe, around $4 billion. If we were to pass any of the tax cuts, which are making it through the state legislature right now, which – uh, I believe the income tax cut was passed, corporate tax cut was making it through, and then next year we have a, a property tax exemption for uh, your for your main home that you've already paid off the mortgage for. Um, there's a bill to go remove the property tax on your main home if you paid off the mortgage. That's making it through next year. Uh, and all these bills, if we were to pass them, we would run through that rainy day fund in two seconds flat. So what we need to do is have a smaller budget, have the skinny budget, as the Democrats like to call it, and then we can pass our tax cuts in the federal government still giving us, you know, 10 billion a year for education. So the, these fears that the Dems try to play of, oh, if you cut spending, you know, we're going to cut education. That's not true at all. It, it's just simply not true. There's other cuts that can be made. We're spending way too much on other things. I was looking through the appropriations bills and I was chatting with one of the representatives about this one appropriations bill that was $200 million to an AZ bio fund. And I said, why is this $200 million? That's the second biggest appropriation after the I-10 expansion, which, by the way, the federal government should have handled that, not the state legislature. Uh, right. With the AZ bio thing, he said, oh, this was asked as a favor from some of the people. And so we introduced it, and I don't expect it to make it through committee with more than 15 to $20 million. And so I was thinking, okay, well, that's fine for this bill, and you know, it made it through with less money, but how many bills make it through committee and don't get cut? There's one appropriations bill that I brought up to a number of representatives, and I forgot to check back to see if they did anything about it, but there's all these little road appropriations to fix up roads throughout the state, and there was one road appropriation in Buckeye, $23 million for a one-mile stretch of flat road. Meanwhile, in Prescott, uh, Prescott Valley, they were asking for $10 million to fix a two-mile stretch of super hilly, uneven road, and so I was asking, why right. is this company, why is one of these areas asking for $23 million for a way easier project. And when you get down to it, it's because contractors are the ones asking for these bills. They're telling the legislators, hey, this is how much we need. And, you know, with so many different appropriations bills going through, it's hard to catch all the different instances of contractors getting paid way too much and us blowing up our budget to sizes that it just shouldn't be. I agree. I agree. Yeah, it's the age-old thing of corruption and a lot of spending bills are going through, as you say, and uh, they're not minding the store, bottom line. Mm-hmm. They're rubber stamping mm-hmm. this stuff and not scrutinizing it. You know, the duty of a lawmaker oh, yeah. is to look at these bills. Read the damn bill. Know what you're, know what you're voting for, boys and girls. <laughs> Crazy, oh, right? Last year, there was a big issue where they didn't read a bill, and they all tried to make excuses for not reading the bill. And yeah, read the bill before yeah. you sign it. That's a novel mm-hmm. idea. Let's bring him back. Wow. What an epiphany for America. God. You know, they're supposed to, but there's ways that they go around God it. God forbid. It's, it's wild. But Katie Hobbs in that office is yeah. going to be dreadful. I'm terrified of uh, her leadership style so far is veto everything. She'll probably pass one right. or two bills uh, per legislator if they're bipartisanly passed. And then come 2024, she's not repealing the territorial law or any of our other controversial legislation because what she wants to do is use any sort of 
uh, controversial legislation as a weapon in the 2024 elections to take the state legislature. Right now we have a two-seat majority in the House and the Senate. If she wins two seats in both chambers in 24, she'll have complete authority to pass whatever she wants whenever she wants. And we're that's right. you know, two seats away, and that's why she's dangling stuff above us. She's not going to pass anything terrible to destroy Arizona these next two years. People don't need to worry about that. What they need to worry about is her using uh, existing laws that she's not repealing as weapons in 24 in order to get more people elected in her caucus that are then going to you know, turn Arizona into California, which is the last thing any of us want to hear or see. When I was growing up, we had mm-hmm. Jenna Napolitano, and she, we luckily blocked her with Republican legislature throughout her entire eight-year term. Right. We didn't have – or six years. Right. We didn't have any – she wasn't able to get any of her actual agenda passed. If she you were able to, Arizona would be a very different place today. The only thing she got passed that really pissed me off, to be honest with you, was when she renamed Squaw Peak P.S. Dewan Peak. <laughs> God, that pissed me I off. I remember that. It's been Squaw Peak for that. 30 – or 100 years. I used to hike it. Still, still do once, yep. once in a while. But now every damn science is P.S. Dewan. I'm like, what's this P.S. Yep. crap? All I know was in – Indian folklore person in the back. I know it. It's, it's, it's that liberal crap that drives me nuts. We have to elevate wanna, someone that no one's ever heard about, put her on the Mouson sign, mm-hmm. and people today still say, well, where's Squaw Peak? Nobody uses Piastawa. Another dumb Democrat idea. They're morons. Uh, but that's the only <laughs> thing that she, she, she snaked that through, man. You know? There were three separate Democrats this year who introduced a bill to replace Columbus Day with Indigenous Peoples Day. None of those are going to pass, but it just goes on that same thing. If they want to go change our language and go liberalify everything. Right. Well, well, Ari, from my perspective, and I'll be blunt to the American people, if you're Indigenous, you're a conquered people. Put that in your peace pipe and smoke it. You're a conquered people. I'm sorry. That's the facts of history. Look, it's all manifest destiny. The smart Indians got the hell out of our way. We were coming in from Europe. The wise chiefs told their other chiefs, hey, we cannot stop millions of Europeans coming over. We're going to move over there. We'll have another 50 years. Then we'll you know, keep moving if we have to. I mean, mm-hmm. and here's the other thing that most people don't, don't, don't know. I know you know this. But most Americans don't, don't know that the ancient tribes – I love Indian folklore, by, by the way. I think I find it very cool. Mm-hmm. We have the Hopi, Northern, um, Arizona, the Hopi prophecies. I love that stuff. But they fought against each other. They hated each other. The Sioux hated the Apache. The Crow hated the Cherokee. Archaeologists always pick up fossils of arrowheads and other Indians' heads, you know, on, on ancient yeah. Indian battlefields. They were racist against like, this oh, tribe, was racist against this tribe, right? So yeah. this idea when that they were all living there peaceably, eating, eating their maize and corn until the evil white man showed up is a bunch of bunk, you know? Yeah, I mean, I'm down to go but teach the yeah. full history of Native Americans, but if we teach the full history, that means teaching the full history, which involves not just you know bad things that white people did. It also involves all the awful things they did to each other and did to us. I mean, there's a – history is not Great. pretty – and to go pretend that any one group of people is right. an absolute arbiter of evil and that any group of people are any abs, you know, absolute you know, beacons of justice is just absolutely absurd on its face. And there's this 
I really dislike the whole collectivist notion that the left pushes of there are absolute goods and absolute bads here on this earth. I mean, there's only one absolute good, and that's God. You can't define that's right. uh, absolute perfection any other way, and absolute perfection can't exist here on earth. And so this notion I that agree, people right. can achieve that here on earth is ridiculous. I, also with words, going back to what you're saying with words, uh, people, yeah. if you create false well, gods in your words, then and you start worshiping mm-hmm. words and giving them absolute meanings, like what the left tries to do with a lot of these words, uh, you take away, uh, you take away. I mean, the meaning of word can't be absolute, and so the absolute right, and the right, apply exactly. and change the language as well is an attempt to manipulate <sighs> language and manipulate the way people think. Right, and the thing is, is uh, look, the other all these this mythology I call it of the ancient Indian. Now, I the Indians. They had a good run, and they still do. My God, I can't open up a casino, but they can. Is that fair to me? <laughs> I cannot open up a casino. I can't. They won't give me a license. What if I got 10 or 20 investors behind me? I want to open a Von Wehunt casino and gaming room. They'll say, screw you. But if you're Pocahontas, mm-hmm. they'll give you a license. See? <laughs> well, so I look at it. They have rights that I don't even have. So... You know, they always say, let's be fair. Well, let's be fair about it. I always say this about history. Right, left, or indifferent. You've got to look at all sides of it, right? And you can't just gloss it over. It's not just the mythology. It's the nitty-gritty, the brass tacks. Now, somebody in our chat room named Kat had a great point that I want to bring up to you about the Native Mm -hmm. Americans. Um, the, The mythology is that... Only the Indians in America taught the Europeans how to grow crops or corn. They were growing crops in Europe for hundreds of years before they came to America. That's another thing that I can't stand. If you're going to teach Native American history and the Europeans, you've got to be accurate, man. You know, and I know that, oh, you, you definitely would, would be. But the Europeans had all kinds of agrarian communities for centuries. This idea that they came over you know, in 1492 with Columbus, and they never saw a tomato plant or corn or green beans or anything, ever, or never even heard of it. And they came over here and they went, wow, we're, we're a bunch of ingrates from uh, Europe. Please teach us how to grow grapes. I'm Italian. That makes a lot of sense, right? Yeah, there's a number they of were going great things for you. Centuries. You right. So that's right. Yeah, you that's where it gets different things. Yeah, that's where the historians get really silly to me. And they're, they're trying to push an agenda that doesn't, you know, work. You know, work. Um, also, this idea that only the Indians knew about irrigation. Well, the Romans built the aqueducts. They built all the irrigation of Europe, all the roads, all the bridges. Um, you know, history is always in the eye of the beholder, I always say. But I want to get now to some... And I knew you were probably ready for this. So we're going to get now to the mm-hmm. salacious stuff of the Arizona campaign. And you don't have to mm-hmm. spill, spill the beans, but I'm going to um, put some straw man uh, things up there for you, some straw man arguments. <laughs> you can shoot them down all you want. Use all the firepower you want. But we have to bring them up because these are things still out there in the media, Okay. Yeah, now, for sure. First one that I know you've I know you've heard about this is 
Why did Carrie Lake host a drag show in her home? And let me finish. And why does she, um, you know, post the pics of the drag queens and then she defended it in her own words, more or less quoting, as long as they leave the kids alone. Now, that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way in Arizona. You know, now, I, I vote for Carrie. Uh, no, wait, wait. How is it I vote for yeah. Carrie Lake. I support her. I always tell, tell, tell folks that you'll never get a perfect candidate. So I'll, I'll, that's, I'll, I'll lay that where it's at. But what's your take on that, sir? You know, I probably agree with Carrie on this. I'm not sure if you do, uh, but at the end of the day, Carrie doesn't care what you do. If you're over 18, she doesn't care what you do in the privacy of your own home. She doesn't care if you're you're 18 plus and you want to uh, go to a drag show. You should have every right to do that. We shouldn't be legislating people's morality over in the business sector, but absolutely, you shouldn't be pushing this on kids. We shouldn't be spending taxpayer dollars bringing these people into our schools. We shouldn't be... Uh, allowing children into drag shows as well. Now, the legislation that's being written this year uh, wasn't written that well, and so it would ban performances of, for example, like Missed Outfire. It wasn't the most well-written stuff, so we need to revise it for next year. Uh, so there is mm-hmm. actually some, we're working on legislation to push out drag queens from children's activities. But Carrie's whole uh, message with that was, hey, look, I, you know, I'm friends with these people. Uh, you know, I've met, known them throughout my life. Uh, I don't care what they do in their own homes. I don't care what they do in their own business. But absolutely, it's not okay for children. We shouldn't be allowing this in our children. We shouldn't be using taxpayer dollars, especially to bring these into schools. Uh, it's nonsense that you have drag queen story hours, that you have children being brought into clubs where then drag queens – I mean, we've all seen the videos. I don't need to go over it. So I think that's one where, you know, if people are completely anti-drag queen, well, you know, they probably aren't going to agree with uh, Carrie. But if they're like, hey, look – it's messed up for children. No children should be anywhere near that thing, but we're not going to tell adults what to do with their own lives. That's more or less where Carrie comes from, as far as I understand it. Okay. I re- you're right. I, hey, look, I wanted to give you the floor, and then one thing about me is that I always give you the last word on most, on most everything, mm-hmm. most of the time. <laughs> um, but now I will say this as my, as my counterpoint. I agree with, with largely with many things that, that you said. However, she's running for governor, and you have to admit, as they say in D.C., it was bad optics for oh, terrible optics. for Arizona. Bad optics. Because yeah, he got out there. Are, uh, I think, yeah. See, I think I want Kerry to win, and I can't stand Katie Hobbs. I want Kerry Lake to win, and I see stuff like that, and I go, this, right there you lost 50,000 votes, man. At least... 25, right there. So if you're running for governor, you have to understand that's a hot-button topic right now, our drag queen events. I get what Kerry says, but it's bad optics to, to many conservative voters, I think, in Arizona. I think the way it was communicated could have been done a lot better. The media really controlled the narrative on that, and it was unfortunate. True. I agree that that issue probably hurt us, but if we were able to control the narrative – uh, things would have been better. Unfortunately, it's hard to control the narrative when so much of the narrative is owned by, you know, two to three companies that are all against you for, you know, various financial and political reasons. Right. That's true. Let me ask you this, too. I would agree with mm-hmm. that totally. Um, why does the – she used to be a big news anchor here in town. I used to watch her almost every night. Why do other media people and the media organizations hate her so much? Even Fox News. Uh, 
she's supposed to be telling them, you know, people in the media, right? they go out in public. Yeah, so people in the media, they yeah. go out in public and they they get treated like celebrities. They have everyone thinking that, you know, they're so smart. They're being all these pundits on the issues. Carrie told it like it is and said, hey, look, these our scripts are given to us. They're the same scripts that are used all across the country. These companies are all owned by the same people. These people who, you know, all these newscasters, they're nothing special. You know, obviously there are some who are. Carrie was an exceptional newscaster. There's a reason why she lasted two-plus decades, and she had so much creative control, so much freedom. Uh, but she was sounding the alarm on just how bad news media had gotten. She was saying, look, I'm not going to be a part of this system anymore because she saw just how bad the system was getting. She saw what they were doing, the new hires. She saw just how uh, you know uniform every single local station was getting with the national media. And she said, look, I know that I have the freedom to do what I want to do, that I'm bringing truth to the people, but I can't be a part of a system that's going to perpetuate uh, the lies anymore. And that's why she left the news media and I think that's why so many people in news media also get mad at her is because she was sounding the alarm on the big secret mm-hmm. that no one wanted to tell. Right. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I would definitely agree with that because uh, it's a known fact that you watch one newscast, they pretty much all sound like seals, all, all clapping at once in unison. Um, <laughs> yep. They don't want to get an original thought out there, do they? Or an independent show like mine. That's why I always tell them, my show will never – ever get asked to come on any of those networks because we're an independent show. I am the producer, host, um, investor. Uh, I do it all. And with the help of my tech wizard and others. Right. I am the new media. And we're the alternative media. We have Irish Pirate as our tech wizard. We had Wolf Studios. So we do lots of creative things over here, lots of fun things. But because of that, they know I... My God, let's see. Von Wien may go off script, God forbid. He may ask us a hard <laughs> question. He may not follow the plan, you know, which is true. But I'm, I always say I'm um, pretty, pretty good to everybody. But um, I want to get into this, too, with you, that um, now I'm just going by. We have a large chunk of my audience is – conservative, right-wing, Republican, and nationalist. And I think it runs the gamut, and even far-right. And we're in many many different categories, which I like. I like that about Because we, we, we can't be cubbyhole. But Carrie Lake did say, and I this is my own personal question. Somebody else brought it up in, in the chat room. And I thought this too before the show. And uh, I kind of get what she meant. But again, as a candidate... You have to be very careful what you say, right? You're a consultant. You, I'm sure you tell them this. Carrie Lake said during the campaign that the future of America and Arizona, by the way, is Hispanic. Now, what was she referring to? The demographics, the invasion, or is that her wish? Is that her agenda that the white European, you know, stock – that was here because a lot of people are, are, are into the great replacement theory. As you know, I also believe so in it. Great replacement. We, we, absolutely. Like is. this the antenna goes up immediately. Like, Whoa, yeah. I just heard this. What does it really mean? And then people get very um, cynical, you know, yeah. Look at the birth rates. 
And, you know, but if the invasion at the border were to stop today, if we were to suddenly have zero immigration, which, by the way, I've been to the border, I've asked people, oh, donde vienes? And they tell me, oh, uh, you know, I come from Venezuela, I come from Ecuador, I come from uh, India, I come from Georgia. They don't come from Mexico. None of these people really are coming from Mexico. In uh, the invasion of our borders, also, a lot of people are coming in from across the country, sorry, from across the world. It's not all Hispanics per se. If the invasion were to keep going or if it were to stop tomorrow, that wouldn't affect the future of Arizona. What's affecting the future of Arizona is birth rates. Uh, now, I'm, I'm Jewish. The Jews, we have pretty high birth rates. Um, Hispanics, they have high birth rates. But, you know, black people, their birth rates are in the gutter because primarily abortion. White people, their birth rates are in the gutter, I believe, because of a, a large myriad of issues that have stemmed out of since the 1960s, just terrible, terrible uh, policies that have incentivized single parents and that have destroyed the family. They've raised the age which people get married, made people less secure about their family. I think that for the next however many decades, we're going to be saying Blake Masters was right over and over and over again because when he was saying that we needed to have one family, one income, I don't think there's anything that I agree with more than that statement. Or sorry, one sorry, one parent, one income. One parent should be able to sustain a family on one single income. Uh, one family, one income. Right. That was what he was always saying. I believe not so much. We should absolutely make it feasible for every single family in America to raise their entire family on a single income. And if we were able to do that, we would be able to see the birth rates go back up. But right now, with 25 to 30 uh, percent of white families having single parents and with a uh, system in which so many people aren't getting married until their 30s, uh, there's not even the opportunity to have enough kids to be above replacement rate. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's some, I think that's an issue that needs to be addressed in a multitude of levels. I'm very pro-natalist. I think any policies that uh, encourage people to have more children are good policies. I don't believe in limiting the world to 500 million people. I agree with Elon that we have room on this planet for billions and billions more and that we need to expand our reach in order to uh, sustain even you more bet. people. Uh, so – and all you know, with Carrie Singh as well, you have to keep in mind Carrie's husband's Hispanic, her daughter's Hispanic. Uh, Carrie's in a, you know, she's in a Hispanic family. I don't think she was saying anything mm-hmm. in regards to a desire of that per se. It's more of just say, hey, look, this is what the future of Arizona is going to look like. Look at the birth rates. Um, and, you know, I don't know about you, but Hispanic Arizonans, uh, they're some of the most conservative people I know. They're some of the most nationalist people I know. There's not a... There's not a person in Arizona who is more upset at the invasion at our border than legal immigrants who have came here, done it the right way, believe in our Constitution, uh, and have studied our Constitution so hard uh, because they had to and because they had to believe in it. They had to go believe values in order to come here the right way. Mm-hmm. Those are people who are the most upset. Okay. I was helping out a candidate last year, uh, Luis Pozzolo, who was a legal immigrant from Uruguay, and he was one of the most nationalist people I've ever met in my life, one of the most pro-America mm-hmm pro-constitution individuals I've ever met, uh, and he absolutely hated this disaster happening at the border. Uh, yeah, I don't think necessarily just because someone's Hispanic, they can't be uh, pro-nationalist uh, in Arizona. Oh, sure. Pro, you know, pro-American nationalist. Carrie is mostly referring to is, hey, look at the birth rates and just look at what's happening in Arizona uh, in general. Right, and, 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 and Ari, you said earlier that, that you are Jewish, right? Okay. So <laughs> – as a as a Jewish man in Arizona, um, you know you can see where people who are not Jewish, who are not Hispanic, 
who are of European stock, like myself, and I'm 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 very worldly in the sense that I, I see what's going on. I have to admit, mm-hmm. in my lifetime, you know, I've seen decade after decade after decade of this open border, wink wink, nod nod, you know, look the other way, everyone's going to grin, and there's suitcases full of cash, but they're being bribes. I have to admit, mm-hmm. in, in my own life, there is an agenda going on. In my own yep. opinion, I believe that the great replacement theory is real. I really do, because otherwise, if we really cared about our borders, we always talk about a big game in D.C., right? They don't care one rat's ass about our border. They don't give one iota about our border. It's very obvious to me, after being on the planet for 40-some-odd years, that I'm like going, yeah, they don't care about the border. It's a talking point. If they did, they would have done something about it long ago. So then, my point is, the other people that say, well, that's all an agenda, it's agenda-driven, yes, they don't, because they want to replace, and it makes sense to me, hear me out, they want to replace the white European stock, people like me and others, and because we're not Jewish, we're not, um, you know, Hispanic, I'm German-Italian, but we tend to challenge things, and we're critical thinkers, and we believe in reading comprehension, and we believe words mean things. And we believe you know, that um, so. we don't want to see the country that we grew up in. I mean, I, I've seen it vaporize in front of my very eyes. So I give I a lot of credibility to them. Now, these, yeah. these theories a while back were, like, pushed back. But now they've come to the forefront in a frenzy. What's your take on that situation? Uh, you know, I think it's less of a thing about the color of people's skin and more a thing about the culture. I mean, you, when I was down at the border, as I was saying, there's yeah. people coming in from Georgia, which is a, a white country, but it's not culturally the same as it is here. They're bringing in people who are culturally distinct from Arizona, or from America. They want to bring in people who will bring apart the downfall of Western civilization, Western culture. These could be people of any skin color. I don't necessarily attribute uh, – you know, when I hear Great Replacement, my thought immediately goes to the destruction of Western culture and the destruction of people who believe in Western values. Uh, you know, I know people of all different colors who have these values and who support them 100%. And, you know, this right. may be because I did grow up in a family where, you know, a third of my family is black. I'm Jewish. I have white family as well. So it's a – I've known Americans of every color, people who are believing the values 110%. And what I see is a cultural distinction between the people they're bringing into this country versus the people who are here already. You know, you could be any color and have the American creed, but you could also have, be any color sure. and want to destroy America and believe in creeds that are destructive to the survival of the constitutional republic that we have here and the individualist values that we uphold. At the end of the day, they're bringing in people who are from collectivist nations who believe in collectivist values who have never experienced what individualist freedom is like, and they're bringing them in here, giving them the rights to vote. And not telling, not educating them on what freedoms actually. Not That's what I'm talking about. Like being they don't believe in what you believe or what, or what I believe. They don't in believe in what we believe. They're replacing right. They're replacing Bolsheviks with collectivists. It, absolutely, yes, absolutely. And so my it's point a, is that the Mexicans – again, I love Mexican food. Some, I have, yeah. I have Hispanic friends. My best mechanic around the corner is a, is a great guy from Mexico. Um, I give them great. I go out with all kinds of people great. But my thing is, you're right, the Hispanics vote 70 to 90% Democrat nationally. They're not going to vote conservative or Republican. 
slightly. You're right. But in my view, it takes two to three generations for their offspring to really go, I'm a Republican now. I want to vote, the, you know, pick the R, R lever and pull it down. It takes a long time. And so that long time could be 50, 60 years before they solidify, you know, into the, what they call the patchwork quilt of America, blah, 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 yada, yada, right? But it takes a long time. Mm-hmm. So that in that time, time period, they're voting Democrat every year, every election. And that well, 50 years is crucial education. to me. What, what happened in okay. this country that I believe was one of the most damaging things in, in the past 50, 100 years is the establishment of the Department of Education and the centralization of education policy and funding in this nation. When we have uh, public schools rising up and you have bureaucrats in the curriculum and the bureaucrats are being lobbied by various companies in order to set the curricula, uh, we get rid of what we had prior to the public school system, which was you had parent demand systems. If the parents want to send their schools to a school or if their kids to a school, that school would survive. And if the parents didn't want to send their kids to that school, the school wouldn't survive. I'm fully in favor of the charter system. I'm fully in favor of the private. But this public system that we have has been destroying our children. Every single year that we've had the Department of Education, uh, besides the Betsy DeVos era, uh, our schools have fallen behind other schools in international rankings. Not once have we risen besides in the Betsy DeVos era when we stayed pretty much the same. It is a disaster we've done in our schools. We're not teaching our kids to be critical thinkers, and that's, uh, I think, the core cause as well of where our kids are losing their minds. We're teaching these kids with textbooks that are written by left-wing ideologues instead of teaching them textbooks written by proud Americans. We're teaching children to hate America. We're teaching them to go question the motives of all of our founders without giving them any sort of positives. And look, it's fine to have critical thinking and to analyze the faults in our past, but you can't only focus on the faults. And that's what so much of modern day curriculum unfortunately does. They focus on the negatives and they go about things with a uh, destructive uh, kind of tone. This is a big issue as well with, I'm not sure how well read you are on um, critical theory, but critical theory, of course, oh, yeah. up the past yeah. years of critical race theory. Sure. Uh, yeah, so critical Very theory well is the, the root theory from it uh, that was originated in the 40s in the Frankfurt School, the 30s and 40s, it is a analytical tool that you can use to deconstruct and critique uh, systems and uh, philosophies, etc. So when you use it alone without offering any sort of productive solutions, you only get uh, you only get negative deconstructions. And so in modern day schools, when you have so many books written by people who are indoctrinated with critical theory uh, from the top levels of education, they write books that are so deconstructive of modern society that they leave no room for positives uh, and then leave no room for construction because any sort of construction can be deconstructed and viewed as negative. Not sure mm-hmm. if that makes sense to you, but uh, you know it's a big issue now, where we have. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm very well aware of that, but wasn't the Frankfurt School a Jewish school? I mean, uh, I, I've of, heard that some before. Of them Jews, some of them yeah, a lot of them are Jews. Yeah. It was German. It's Jewish um, Bolsheviks, general, Russia, was, uh, things like that, right. Yeah, it was people who – so the Frankfurt School it was a outgrowth of Marxism. were people who disagreed heavily with liberalism, a.k.a. Capital, capitalism. Right. They disagreed heavily with fascism, and they disagreed with Soviet Marxism. They also didn't think that Marx – uh, had it on thought because they thought Marx's scope was too limited. So the Frankfurt School expanded the scope to uh, use Marxism to analyze all aspects of life. Instead of just categorizing uh, people based on class, they would start categorizing um, you know, words, categorizing people, categorizing atmospheres, 
And so suddenly everything in life, uh, everything in the world could be categorized into oppressed and oppressor um, in some sort of fashion, advantaged, disadvantaged. So the Frankfurt School really just expanded uh, the Marxists, the Marxist ideology into a much wider deconstructive tool that has now been, you know, in the 60s is when it got really, really bad and when people started applying uh, quote-unquote solutions to the critical theory, uh, you know, deconstructions. Yeah, and we brought up some um... – we just skirted some of these rabbit holes that are out there, folks, on the Internet, some big, big things. But um, and it's going to bring a lot of these things up to the for- forefront. One thing about my show, I like clarity, and mm-hmm. I'm sure you do too. I mean, I want everyone to know what we're talking about, what we're doing, and uh, this is the variety show, folks. Everything is on the table, right? We, we talk about everything from UFOs to Curie Lake to Bolsheviks to – Hitler to Stalin <laughs> to Taiwan, I don't care. My Bul- Bulgaria came here. Uh, during the, Bolshevik the Bolsheviks pushed out my uh, mother's family from Europe. Oh yeah, they were they were terrible. Stalin mm-hmm. made Hitler look like a Boy Scout. He killed over a hundred million people, and he hated Jews. Mm-hmm. Stalin killed more than. It's just the thing about the the, uh, the uh, Russians, as I've always said, is they 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 hide their crimes. Much better than Germany did, or any other country. Mm-hmm. They, they're very good at hiding their crimes, even today. Look yep. at Ukraine; it's terrible. But um, what I want to know now, Ari, is how can people in Arizona reach you? Can you plug a website, or if they want to get more information, or if they want to talk to you sure. more, or are you on Facebook? Uh, best plug away, sir. Best mm-hmm. way for people to contact me. I have my Facebook. I don't check it uh, too often. Twitter is probably the okay. best way. Ari Bradshaw, A Z A R I B R A D S H A W A Z, just my name, A Z. Uh, that's probably the best way to go find me. I'm active on Twitter. I post stuff on there. Uh, I'm not too active on other socials right now. That might change in the future, but yeah, that's pretty much where. Okay. And then as well, I run a uh, organization in North Phoenix, uh, North Valley YRs. So we are the uh, North Valley chapter of Arizona's Young Republican Organization. So we directly work with the AZGOP and with candidates trying to get them elected, trying to win over swing races here. Uh, we have three in the state house right now who are members of our org, Austin Smith, Matt Gress, and uh, uh, Alex Colladin. Uh, and they are all doing a fantastic job up there. Great, great. Now, when does that group meet, the Northwest Valley Young Republicans? Uh, so North... Uh, North Valley Young Republicans. So we're Northwest and Northeast. And we have an event this Sunday where we're helping out Sam Stone. Sam Stone's running for city council. We're helping him out this Sunday at 6 p.m. over his office. If you guys go check on, uh, if you check on my Twitter, check on the North Valley Young Republicans Twitter, you'll see that uh, all over the place. Um, Okay. So we meet once a month. We do different events and our events are, yeah. So, Mm-hmm. 40 and under is the okay. group for is how we'll get to members, but our events are normally open to the public of all ages because we're normally doing events to help out candidates to increase uh, activity in the grassroots. You know, we've held debates, okay, we've as held forums, young, young young stuff. I could be one of your elder statesmen then. I couldn't be in the club. I'm over 40, but I could be an elder <laughs> statesman, right? Absolutely. <laughs> I'll be your ambassador. Absolutely. Your radio ambassador. There we go. Um, Ari, great conversation with you. Thoroughly enjoyed it. 
We're going to go on a bit more. What would you like to tell the American people? Your final thoughts to America, your final thoughts about Kerry Lake, what people can do, what they, what you think that they should do. And also, I want to get your, your take on the future of Arizona down two roads. If Kerry Lake stays in or if we can reverse this tide of immigration that we talked about earlier and try to right the ship here. Because we love our state. We want it to bloom and blossom and do great things. But we both will simply say and acknowledge that we're on a trajectory here. It's dangerous. Wouldn't you agree? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, thank you so much, of course, for having me on. I appreciate it a lot. It's great to go, you know, answer some questions, get, you know, chat with you on yeah. your claims at Long Will Last and whatnot. Uh, and then as for with people of Arizona, look, Arizona, we can have the best future of any state. We have the best gun rights of any state. We have just amazing freedoms here. We are a beautiful state. I'd say the most beautiful in the entire nation. And we can maintain all of these things. But what we need to do is be strategic about how our government works. What we need to do is get 31 votes on any sort of issue in the state house and 16 votes on any issue in the state Senate in order to get things passed. And we need to control the governor's seat. That means we need to run people for governor who can win governor. We need to convince people that they need to vote for Republican governors no matter what because their governor can veto legislation as well if we, God forbid, were to lose uh, the legislature. And whoever our governor nominee is in 26, be it Kerry Lake, Kim Yi, or someone else who might pop out of nowhere, we need to support them 110% and convince the independents early, convince them early to vote for us, get people excited. We can't let the Democrats control the narrative. The biggest thing is when we allow them to control the narrative and we don't fight back, we lose. And when we allow them to poison our side of the aisle with infighting when they allow us to poison the, our side of the aisle with allowing our uh, loudest people get the most airtime to the independents and to the Democrats. That's how they beat us. We need to run strategic people in strategic areas, and then we can take Arizona. We can make us the most free state in the entire union in every single way, and we can hold that power, and we can hold Arizona as the most free state. For the foreseeable future and look i believe truly the future of arizona or sorry the future of america i believe runs through arizona i believe that the swing areas of arizona determine the future of this entire country that's how important arizona is for this next decade if we don't you know figure out what works here start talking to people who aren't political and teaching them what's going on uh, getting people start slow. We can't bring people from zero to a hundred in one go. And this is something I always talk to the legislators about, to legislators about and to activists is you can't convince someone who is fully pro-choice to go be fully pro-life in a single conversation, but you can get them to slowly inch their position over, over the course of many conversations. That goes for every single issue. And we need to not be afraid of incrementalism in certain issues. I know people get fed up, people get impatient, uh, but we have time if we can fight for it. We do have time. I don't believe that time's run out. Uh, we just need to put our best foot forward, fight on the issues that matter, be strategic about how our government works, and maintain majorities and everything, and get that governorship back as soon as possible. Damn right. Ari Bradshaw, thank you so much, sir, for coming on the Von Wien Show. Love talking to you. A lot of good conjecture tonight. A lot of good conversation. We thank you, sir. We'll talk again soon. Absolutely. Thank you so much. God bless. Have a good Have night. Have a great night. God bless you, sir. Good night. Bye-bye. Thank you very much. Ari Bradshaw, you, you heard it, folks. We have a great show at, always for you on this station. VIPs are lined up. 
every winter and spring. We have plenty more on Thursday nights. That was a great call. Ari Bradshaw. That's a name you don't want to forget. I'm sure we'll be on the news at some political consultant TV show eventually. Nice guy. And very intelligent. He knows what's going on here. He loves Arizona. And as long as you love Arizona, well, that's pretty good to me. We need more people who love Arizona and don't want to come here and replace all of us or who want to come here from other states and ruin it. We want people to come here to build Arizona up and not down. Well, great call. We'll come back after these brief station ID messages. And batter up will be Paul the Gladiator. We're going to talk a little more about Ari Bradshaw's call and the politics of Arizona and anything else you guys want to bring up. Because on my show, anything goes. This is Jim Rockford. If the tone, leave your name and message. I'll get back to you. Hey, Jimmy, it's your old buddy Angel calling you on the line there. And uh, I was about to sit down and, and do like we do every Thursday night and listen to this guy, Von Weehunt, on the radio. He's a, a good old-fashioned uh, machismo, hard-styled uh, you know, mechanic of the airwaves, Jimmy. <laughs> but, but what I want to ask you first before I did that is, is before I get into my popcorn here, I've got a game coming up, poker game. It's going to be absolutely beautiful, beautiful scam. i got that city councilman showing up. We've got oil shakes. we got other people, maybe pornographers showing up, too. And i got a beautiful cover I'm going to be using for this one, man. I just need two to, to $3,000 to, to use this game for some, to buy in, and then, uh, you know, I'll get it back to you in like a, a couple weeks to maybe a couple months, Jimmy. You think you could do that for me? I'll be here listening to Von Weehunt's show, all right? I'll wait for your call, buddy. I'll wait for your call. Yeah, I'm still the ghost of the most, babes, you know what I mean? I've been hanging out in this, this attic for like a long time here, you know, and it's getting pretty old. So I took a trip out in the world, and uh, there's a lot of people burning stuff down and going crazy out there. But even being the ghost with the most like me, i got to have some kind of fun anyway. So I tune in to the Vaughn We Hunt radio show. Because I know once I finally get my groove on, that's where I want to tune in in the nighttime. It's the Vaughn We Hunt show. He's almost as cool as I am. Von Weehunt speaks truth to power. Von Weehunt speaks bluntly about the need to correct America's course quickly. No excuses for putting America first. Von Weehunt, the Barbarian. Thursday at 8 p.m. The Von Weehunt Show. Conversation and analysis of breaking news, geopolitical events, politics, history, and some fun, too. Von Weehunt is an astute observer of the human condition. Von Weehunt will cut through the political correctness and speak bluntly about the social, political, and economic demise taking place in America and around the world. Von Weehunt is a nationalist who, without shame, puts America first. Von Weehunt, the Barbarian. Thursday at 8 p.m. Well, you've heard Ari Bradshaw is our VIP guest tonight. And now you've got another thing coming, America.
command you to bring on Paul the Gladiator to bring him inside the studio. Drop the news today. Gladiator, are you there? Always here, man. Always here. Love it, sir. How are you doing? Wow, what a good conversation there with Ari Bradshaw. And I want to throw a couple of curveballs about the drag queen thing. You know, it's these are things that are mm, out there, you know, in the ether. But um, I threw a few softballs as well. That's fair. Well, hey, and you know, I think the perception is right. Whenever a candidate has these oddball things come up during an election that you know the opposition is going to grab a hold of, oh, yeah. it is going to affect – I mean, it could affect 10, 20, 30, 40,000 votes, and that can win Absolutely. an election as, as we saw with Kerry and Katie. You know, it wasn't, point. It wasn't a huge – yeah, bad mm-hmm. optics, and I'm sure some people either stayed away from the polls – or didn't, oh, you know bother to, or didn't bother to vote in that specific election, but voted Republican in the other elections, thinking that the Democrats had it right that she's, you know, somehow has these folks over for a barbecue every weekend, which is not the case, but that, that that's the narrative, though, right? <clears throat> so every any little thing, though, it could be, you know, a, look, here's this thing, right? When I was younger, everybody, you know, from my fraternity days at university to parties, you know, in my 20s and 30s, whenever there was a photograph at a party and there was alcohol or if somebody had a a marijuana joint in their hand outside, like I didn't take any pictures because I didn't, I said to myself, if I get into politics ever, I don't want that in the photograph in the background with me in the photograph, right? Because somehow, some way, those photographs always end up coming out of people's, you know, photograph books and sent to a newspaper or, you know, research done by the opposition uh, and they find out who you hung out with and there's these photographs or videos or whatever it may be. So, you know, you got to be, if you ever think you're going to be in politics, just, you gotta you gotta make sure everything's straight lace around you, you know. Don't let anybody leak in. That that's the point, right? right. So, mm-hmm. you know, I was always aware of that when I was younger. But I had you know I had two political mentors who were, you know, head of their parties in the state uh, where I came from originally. But yeah, when I met uh, Aria, I, I knew he was uh, you know very. He's an educated guy. He's well spoken. He knows his stuff, uh, and the best thing that, you know, he he told me, you know, here's a young guy that pulled himself up by the bootstraps um, mm-hmm. due to circumstances, you know, beyond all of our control during uh, during the, the flu. I call it the flu. U.S. government calls it COVID. Right. Um, you know, and everybody remember that if you open up a dictionary, the word flu, F-L-U, still exists, by the way. You know, it's, it's not yes, COVID-19. Yeah, yeah, it's not COVID, okay? Um, right. He pulled himself up by the bootstraps, um, used his smarts, his wits, his motivation, and, uh, you know, there you go. That's America. That's the American dream, right? Uh, 
do what you want and do it well, and uh, you know, and you'll get compensated for it. So um, yeah, uh, it, was, it was glad to hear him. Uh, and you're right, he quick-witted, throwing curveballs, and you know, he he takes the the good, the bad, the ugly. And uh, oh, but he's, he's, got a, he's got a good heart. He's, good. he's got a good heart, good mind, and uh, right. and he's going to help us with the Republican Party. Not here, not only here in the county, but in the state as well. You know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, you know, he has. Like, he, I always say, this is the radio gauntlet. Uh, most shows won't even take the steps that we will, or even ask these kinds of questions. You know, now with right. all these people, I tell them, I might ask you a few things that are kind of off the cuff. You should already know, if you're an astute political consultant, what that means. Um, I might ask you some things that are, you know, not always known by the population, but they came out, like in the case of the drag queen thing. Um, you know, Carrie Lake did that while she was campaigning. And that's my distinction I wanted to make to him was, you don't do those things if you're serious about winning. Or don't even leak it out. Don't even put it on. Don't even do it. Even even better. But if you do it, okay. They were friends of hers. Great. That should be uber top secret, you know. And then he got a hold of it, and they went nuts. Well, and and the the thing is, it's going to take votes away from you. It's not going to garner you the gay vote. The Democrats take a hold of the Democrats take a hold of that. And the Democrats lose your votes from your own party, and they go talk to the gay voters and say, "Don't buy it. It's not true. You know, we're we're your supporters. You know, we support you, no one else. You know, so right. uh, it just never works in sync." Um, so hey, I wanted to talk about other things because we always talk about. Um, you know, fake news, um, uh, all these stories. So I just heard today, and I'm going to say a a word. It's a program, by the way. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's uh, called, the program itself is called Jigsaw, okay? Jigsaw is a well-hidden secret. Nobody even knows that Google owns it, they created it, and they work hand-in-hand with the United States Department. It scuttles everything online, offline, all news reports. And what Jigsaw does is it then takes the report before it's really sent out into the media before the media gets it, <clears throat> and they turn it into a fake news story if it is, in fact, true and harmful to the Democratic Party. They have taken on this fake news moniker from Trump, and they will take the true stories that really hurt America, and they call it fake news, hoping that the Republican and nationalist supporters will jump on board this, oh, it's a fake news story. So that they're, ta- they're actually completely taking control now of the narrative online from offline news reports. Then they're going online and Jigsaw puts the twist that, hey, 
This real news story is just a fake news story. Don't listen to it. That's right. They are, they are trying to completely manipulate the minds of Americans from offline now into online. And Google is hand-in-hand hand with the State Department doing it. It's unbelievable. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, Operation Jigsaw, it's the, it's the program. It's been around for a while. You're right. I'm oh, definitely aware of it. Um, like I say, up is down, down is up. What was fake yesterday right. is true today and vice versa. Uh, they make the news up as they go along, and they only want you to know what they want you to know. That's why I tell folks to really get an education, as you and I both know. you got to have reading comprehension, um, math skills, critical thinking skills, and you don't need critical race theory. You need critical thinking skills, folks. And also, you got to do a lot of your own damn research. you got to do your own study. You can't expect people to hand-feed you, spoon-feed you um, all the data that you need. Now, on my show, I want to cover a lot of topics, as you know, on every show, and undercurrent as well as top current, and – that way on my show, you'll get a glimpse, I call it a snapshot, once a week of what's going on worldwide and yeah. nationally. Another thing, another thing uh, I wanted to bring up. <clears throat> so whenever in our lifetimes, whenever has a previous president, the previously sitting president, beaten – a sitting president to a national disaster location. Well, you know, Trump is in Palestine, Ohio, and he well, beat he Biden there. there. Yesterday. It's yeah, beat and it's, it's, there by one day. There's only one time it's ever happened, and it happened yesterday. Yeah, that's what Trump I mean. Went to East. Now, here's the thing that, that really stood out to me, though. It's not that he went. Okay, and it's a great thing. What a lot of people don't understand about Trump's one of Trump's very good strengths is that yeah, he's got an ego the size of the state of New York, right? But right. he's very self he's very self deprecating in a very um com- a very communicative way. That makes it super savvy and very charming to people. Because here's what he did. He walked into McDonald's. He walked right up to the counter. And he said hello to a woman who greeted him there, a young lady. And he said, hi, I'd like to take care of the entirety of the police force in East Palestine. I'd like to take care of the entire fire department. Uh, in the city of East Palestine. And he looked around that McDonald's. He said, take care of everybody here. Take care of everybody in the drive-thru. Take care of all the employees. And then and then she goes, well, do you know what you want to buy? Everybody goes, I know this menu better than you do. It's my favorite place. Uh-huh. Goes, I, know this menu, I know this menu better than anybody in America. And he, and he touches his stomach. Right, and he actually lost, and he lost a lot of weight, and he looks really good. Um, right, and that self-deprecating moment 
where he's making fun of yeah. himself. And everybody, everybody behind the counter, everybody in inside the McDonald's, they were all just charmed, smiling, laughing with him, not at him, but with yeah. him, right? Because he's laughing too, right? right? Well, right. that's the one thing. Now, yes, he's got an ego, you know, the size of a pumpkin on his head, no doubt. Uh, and, yes, he attacks his rivals like nobody else, right? Because he, he labels mm-hmm. every rival, right? Sure. But the, but the thing about him throughout his life that I knew, because I grew up in Connecticut, lived in New York City while he was there, um, he really does care. You, you know, a lot of people don't know that he went and visited every construction site and brought lunch and sat down with every construction worker on all his projects. Okay. Mm-hmm. What he also did, what he also did that nobody ever really knew, is that, you know, in Atlantic City, <clears throat> he had Taj Mahal, Trump Plaza. He had all those casinos yeah. there, and he knew he was a real estate guy, so he called a very good friend of his. And it happened to be his friend, Steve, who owned the Mirage and Treasure Island, right? And right. He, said, he said, Steve, look, I'm a real estate guy. I don't know how to run casinos. What can you, get, what can you tell me? And he said, I'm going to do, do you the best favor ever. I'm going to send you my three best guys. Each guy will run one of your casinos each. I'm going to send them to you, let them run the casinos. Donald, you just keep building real estate. So Steve Wynn sent his top three guys out to Atlantic City and their families. They lived in New York, and they helicoptered into Atlantic City every day. Mm -hmm. Those three guys, the reason why Trump went bankrupt in Atlantic City is because those three guys were all on one helicopter that crashed in New Jersey, killing all three of them and the pilot. Right. Donald Trump never put the... Donald Trump never put that story out, by the way. Number one, what he did was he took care of the entirety of those families financially. And he, he never put out, that's the reason why I had to file bankruptcy. He just filed the bankruptcy, kept his mouth shut. He took care of even relatives of those families. And he took mm-hmm. the beating by the media. He took the beating during his campaign in 2015 and 16. He took that beating. He never used any excuse, never put those families in harm's way. There's a lot about Donald Trump a lot of people don't know. All they see is what the media has allowed them to see. And a lot of people are counting this guy out. I'm going to I'm going to tell you. Don't count him out against DeSantis. I think if DeSantis really plays it smart, if he plays it smart, not egotistical, but if he plays it smart, he will take the back seat, take the vice presidency for a one-term president, Donald Trump, and then get his eight years after that, but have four years in Washington, D.C. as the vice president to build his constituency out of the Senate and the House in the State Department, right? At at the Justice mm-hmm. Department, four years as VP to build his constituency and then have his own eight-year run as president. 
That would be, That'd be the smart, smart move. move. I agree. Smart move. I agree. Right? The real smart move. And then when he gets to be the nominee after four more years, then he can grab a guy like Tim Scott out of South Carolina as his VP, at who who did two deals with Donald Trump when he was president. The first deal that Tim Scott brought to Donald, that Donald did a, an executive order on this, by the way. He didn't even let it go through House or Senate. He said, I will executive order this for you, Tim. Great idea. He made enterprise zones in every city in America where anybody right. – he didn't care if you were a minority or a, a white European you know, background – you got a loan in within a city limit to start a business, enterprise zone. And number two, even something that President Obama didn't do as the first half-black president, okay, every year the historical black colleges had to come to the United States government for funding. Mm-hmm. Tim Scott went to a right. historically black, black college, and he's a super right conservative, and and a yeah, really good a really good servant in the Senate. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Donald Trump gave Tim Scott another executive order, and he said, "No problem. I'll give him twenty five years of funding. They never have to come back to Washington D.C." But. Right. But Tim, I want you to do a speaking at those colleges every year, all the colleges. Take a day at each college, you go talk, and you build the Republican Party out of those colleges to support you because you're a younger guy. I don't need them to support me. Mm-hmm. I need them to support you. You're a younger, basically a younger Republican, right? I mean, I think Tim Scott's in his late 40s, early 50s. Right, um, right. So I think that would be the best play for, like, the Trump DeSantis ticket for, a be- for another run eight years after that. But the thing about, you know, Trump going to East Palestine before Biden, because Biden, you know, doesn't give a shit. Well, that's awesome. They vote, they, I love, they vote love 70%, it. Yeah, they vote 70% Republican. Uh, mm-hmm. Pete, Buttigieg, Pete Buttigieg went there today, and he wouldn't drink the water. He would not drink the water out of a tap. Sure. Somebody said, wouldn't do it. here's tap water. Here's tap water. Drink this. And P goes, no, 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 I'm not thirsty. Right. Because he already knows right. they're all poisoned and they're all going to die, right? Um, That's right. But, yeah, what, what, a, what a, a joke. And then Joe Biden ah. is over in, over in Ukraine and Poland, and he's calling for Get a nuclear away. war. Yeah. He's calling Get for away a nuclear war with Russia. Russia. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not Ukraine first. Damn it, it's America first. Ohio. They're always they're always doing that damn Ukraine thing. It's pissing me off. God. Yeah, man. And, More and, he, and he, guaranteed, he guaranteed $500 million in cash and a whole yeah. multi-billion dollar armament package as well. <laughs> and when he was in Poland, he said, we will defend... Through a nuclear war, this guy doesn't even know what he's saying anymore. I know. I mean, it's he's, he's got complete ball. dementia. He does. He does. And I say this: What if Russia takes you up on your offer, big boy? 
big guy, well, they might Putin just do something. Care. Putin, Putin is yeah. 80 years old himself, and Putin has cancer. Right. He doesn't care. He will hit that button in a heartbeat. Heartbeat. I know he will. Yes, he yeah. will. He yeah. definitely will. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. So, Putin is no saint. Though I will say, in his defense, <laughs> in a weird way, I wish America had Putin as our president and Russia had Biden. We yeah, say right. that for years. One more, one more thing. At least Putin is a nationalist. One more, one more point of how how changed this world is. Last point. So, sure. uh, 13, 13 months ago, one percent of the money exchanged and the money backing into the Russian stock market, only one percent was Chinese. Mm-hmm. Thir- Thirteen months later. 25% of the money exchange and the money backing the Russian stock market, 25%, is now Chinese. Okay? Mm-hmm. China, 13 months ago, only imported 1% of their natural gas and oil from Russia. 13 months later, now 25% of their natural gas and oil comes from Russia. Mm-hmm. When, you have, when you have 25% or more financial backing between two countries, between their stock market, stock market exchange, financial markets, and their gas and oil markets, and it's an even exchange, which it now is, 25%, went from 1% to 25% in 13 months. What follows next? Do you know? I'll tell you. Just tell, just, yeah. Tell the audience, Paul. It's military armaments. China is going to militarize that Russian-Ukrainian border with everything that they can. And remember, everybody, China and Russia are connected by land. They don't have to send anything in a boat. It's going to just travel by land right over the borders, and they are going to they are going to plummetize. Now, it's already done. They talked about this together when they sat at the opening ceremony for the Olympics in China. That's right. When when Russia wasn't even supposed to be at the Olympics, it was the Federation, not Russia. Mm-hmm. But there was Putin sitting next to Jing, and they had a conversation during the opening ceremony. They were only two next to each other. No one else was even in the stadium, and they talked basically like this. Look, after the Olympics, I'm going to invade Ukraine. So you get your limelight for the Olympics, and how many days did it take right. for Putin to invade? Two days later, he invaded. And then That's Jing right. said, yeah, and then once we get you Ukraine – then I'm going to take Taiwan. Right. So Taiwan's but going down next. The caveat, right. The caveat was 
China thought that they would take your cradle to have a lot faster. And now they're going, man, taking Taiwan, surrounded by water, could be more of a beast of an operation than we thought. Nope. Look nope. at the nope. land. Why. Here's why. That's, what the, nope. that's why they're also waiting. Here's why. China has already taken an island right off of Vietnam. They went a little further to Thailand and took an island off of Thailand. And then mm-hmm. they built their own island beyond that. All three sure. islands are now na- their naval bases now, all three of them. And the next island is Taiwan. And they have the yeah, largest I mean, navy. Paul. They have the largest navy on planet Earth now. Right. We have talked about those man-made Chinese islands for years on, on this show. Yeah, they've been building yeah, those for they, years. Yeah, right. They they've been developing that whole South China Sea, man. Yeah. Yeah, they took an island it's off a of big Taiwan, deal. off of they took an island off of Thailand and they took an island another island uh, off of Vietnam. So they already have the islands and then they, they built their own, but they took real islands and built naval bases. Right. Taiwan is the next one in line. It's already a done deal. And now all they'll ask Russia for, because they're going to militarize Russia to take Ukraine, they'll just turn to Russia and say, send all your submarines out of the Mediterranean Sea, which a lot of people don't know, that through the NATO pact, Russia guards the Mediterranean Sea for NATO with their submarines. Think about that one, America. And they're going to take their subs, leave the Mediterranean, and then go right around over right around Africa and over to Asia, right at Taiwan, and then China will put all their battleships and Russia will put all their submarines and it'll be lights out for Taiwan. Give it to us now or you're going to be destroyed. Oh, yeah. Um, if you're in Taiwan now, like we've talked about on this show before, you and I in, uh, many, in many of my monologues, get the hell out of there. It's only a matter of time before you get invaded. It's going to happen. I totally agree, Paul. It's going yeah, to happen, the, you know? The other, the other thing that's interesting is, you know, you know how the Biden administration, they said, okay, Ford, GM, all American product companies, Apple, pull out of Russia because they invaded Ukraine. And all these companies left Russia. All these right. Russia. They got replaced in the last 13 months with all Chinese suppliers, Chinese auto manufacturers, all of their cell phones, their laptops, all Chinese. They took over the market that we gave up. We are allowing these two countries to build their own superpower together, their own pact. And Iran has joined them. Syria has joined them. North Korea has joined them. They have their own access of power now. Right. It's what I said in my monologue that we have created monsters out of China and Russia. We have created the monster. America's famous for doing this time and time again. It's ridiculous. It's not. It's the people that Biden in place and his whole administration, which is 70% from the Obama administration, that is now the current administration that has done this to us. State Department, military, White House, Senate, you name it, they have done this. Oh, yeah, they're all the deep state cabal. 
It's all yeah. a deep state cabal, man. Paul, thanks for the call, man. Appreciate it. Great call. Right. And nope. we will watch yeah. all this unfold, my my friend. Have a great night, man. Oh, take Good deal there. Yeah, yeah. It's um, folks. This is um, the deep state cabal. These things have been America. This is nothing new in the sense that we've been developing monsters for years. If it wasn't for America in World War II, we'd, we, Russia was a serf nation with a czar. They killed the czar. They were literally shoeless communists. If it wasn't for American trucks and know-how and tech people that they were pouring in over the Arctic Circle and through Europe to Russia, we made them formidable against the Third Reich. If it wasn't for America, the Third Reich would have went right through that entire godless Bolshevik nation um, and took it over. And it was the American, uh, the our hardware, which is best in the world. And in, in some cases, we're marginal now, but we still make a lot of really, really good stuff. Um, also, China. After the war, we gave China millions of dollars, developed them slowly. Nixon opened up China for trade, not to be our superior. He went over there to open up a trading door, if you will, a trading platform. But over time, Clinton, Obama, Biden, like Paul said, the newest cabal, they have blown up China. They've blown it up. Now it's a monster. And you have America to blame because we love doing this or we're so stupid we we do it. Now there are people that say, Oh, it's 5D chess, all that stuff. Who knows? I will say this, that if 5D chess means that you're losing market share, you're losing billions, you're getting your military secrets stolen from you, your men go to war and die for no good reason, then the hell with 5D chess. The hell with that. It's not working. I like things that work. I like results. And there's low-tech and high-tech, baby. And I say, whichever one works. Sometimes low-tech works in certain situations. Sometimes high-tech works. I like them both. Like your own host. I'm street smart and I'm book smart. Together, it's a lethal combination. Well, let's get to some more calls here. Let's get to American Scotch, who's been holding. Get him on. Well, now we're in, we're in official overtime, American Scotch. So we got to keep our comments a little bit tighter tonight, only because we're against the clock, sir. How are you doing? Welcome to the show. I'm good. Good uh, Good evening, and it was a great uh, great interview tonight with uh, Mr. Bradshaw. Thanks. And I agree. It with was you. cool. I, I agree with you. Well, I, I agree with you on, uh, you know, kind of pinning him to the wall about the uh, – the, uh, the drag queen thing, because, you know, I'm not a political strategist, but I think I can understand what they were thinking. And I don't think Carrie wanted to do it at all. I I think that that was her handlers. And I don't know whether this guy Ari is a handler of her or not, but I know that they probably thought, well, if we don't, you know, tip our hat to this LGBTQ community, we're going to lose that vote. Well, that's not a big vote in all theory. I mean, real LGBTQ that are legitimately gay are maybe 2%, maybe. 
mm-hmm. and that's pushing it. But what I think they're thinking is that they're going to lose the Gen Z vote, the millennial vote, whatever the age, you know, what they fall into, 18 and above, whatever the voting age is. That's what I think they were trying to cater to, which was really stupid to me. I, I really agree right. with you. I think that they should have kept their mouth shut, if not even gone further and just denounce that type of activity, that type of behavior. Right. We're all fed up with it. And Arizonans, that is a, still a conservative state. You've got pockets of liberalism. We've talked about this, Tempe, probably right. some parts of North Artsy, Fartsy, Scottsdale, maybe. Sedona definitely is. But the rest of that is a cowboy state, man. So I agree with you on that. And I, I just uh, – I'm, I'm taking a, 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 a take on this that, you know, Katie is just – she's just a placeholder. She's just an avatar. I don't think she's a legit politician. I mean, you and I both know she really isn't. But she didn't win that. Right. I mean, these losses in these two elections in this last one in Arizona and 2020 Trump v. Biden is so stupid. It's so – obvious it's been a fake uh loss for the good guys that we're in just some sort of production i still maintain that and i think arizona is is a state that has been put to the forefront to play a role in this pantomime theater to expose the democrats the money laundering and it's all going to come out i i do believe that we have got a very interesting set of months ahead of us. And, you know, what he said and what he didn't say in this interview tonight, I, I, found, uh, I found very telling. Very telling. Well, yeah, thank you, Scotch. Um, and I, you were spot on about one comment that you just made, and I want to reiterate that, was I believe what you just said, and I hate to say it, but Carrie Lake, I think, wanted to get this drag queen show out there. I think that contributed, not on 100%, but it contributed to our losing a big chunk of votes. We had a lot of deeply religious people in Arizona. Also, the timing of it was suspect because at that time, there was article after article on InfoWars, Gab, you name it, about these drag queen story hours, right? They were going viral all over the nation. And then Carrie Lake unleashes or lets go of, come on, you can't have that much, you don't have control over your message. I think she wanted it leaked out that she was cool, hip, and trendy with the gay, gay crowd, LGBTQ squared, and vote for me, I'm cool. If you vote for me, I'm not going to come, come and knock on your door at 3 o'clock in the morning was the inference and message. What yeah. she does not realize that I would tell her is those people already hate you. They're going to vote Democrat no matter what. You've already lost that battle. Leaking out this crap the 12 o'clock hour as her consultant, and I was surprised Erica did not have a stronger, I would say, outrage about that. Yes, you can do things in the, in, in, in the privacy of your home, but not when you're running for governor. And I chastised exactly. him a little bit in a nice way, and I gave him many opportunities to kind of self-correct. But um, his mindset was, hey, uh, it's the privacy of your home. This is a – look, conservative values are great, but I said it's also bad optics, man, you know? And it was a neck-and-neck race. You can't risk anything. 
on it. And I told that was going to be a Berlin street fight, this governor race. And everything counts. Every little thing you do, you can't even, I mean, my God, I saw that. And went, Are you kidding me? Carrie Lake, I don't care if you had a drag queen in your home with a friend of yours, a friend of the family, whatever. That's a whole other rabbit hole. <laughs> but my thing is, you're running for governor, man. You know, mm-hmm. and you're letting this go. Yeah. Your 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 enemy is going to make mincemeat of you. They're going to dissect you, spit you out, and eat you again and again and again. And that's what the, the media had fun with that man for weeks. Killed her, right? He killed her, right? And I, I do think that I think that one thing that in going forward, I think in po- politics, whether it's gubernatorial races. Uh, congressional or the president presidential race and i know trump will do this to a certain degree uh but people are going to have to start pushing back on this lgbtq thing i don't say denounce them i don't say you know call them names and be hateful but i'm just simply saying like like you kind of alluded to katie or carrie could have come out and said look what you do in your bedroom is not my business it's nobody's business so don't make it about the children's business either keep your hands off the kids we don't want to hear about it, and we don't want to see you pandering mm-hmm. to it in inappropriate places and ways and times, period, and leave it at that. And then it's going to be That's really right. difficult for that crazy, wacky, left-wing group of people to bitch about that. So what are you saying? Are you going to complain about that comment because you do want to parade around and make an ass of yourself and expose yourself to children uh, you know, physically and you know, whatever you want to call it? There's no place for this. And Americans want to hear a politician say that. I'm going to tell you right now, politicians moving forward that will say things like that, they're going to get rewarded big time. And they're not going to be crucified in the box by kissing these people's asses anymore. I'm sick of it. And that's the one big criticism of Trump I have. He plays to these people way too much, way too much. And I'm fed up with it. I agree. And I know a lot of other conservatives are as well. It's just it's got to stop. It's over with. People are tired of that. Trump, I mean, I always said the guy, the, look, we, we love Trump. Um, I don't like everything he says or does. Uh, he, look, he's got a lot of life left, left in him. But I will say this, that um, you can't, well, I'll back up. You need a new script is what I would advise Trump. If we never sit down in Mar in Mar-a-Lago, I would say you need a completely new script. We're going to build on your strengths. And on the people, keyword, who put you in fucking power to begin with. Yes. Screw these other groups. Thanks for trying to stop pandering to the gays, yes. the blacks, the browns, the purples, the greens. Nobody cares about that. Hate to, I'll be blunt. Exactly. Nobody cares about that. If, if you can fit them in, great. But if you can't, you know, dude, stick to what works. And exactly. he has to stop this, you know, uh, every chance he gets picks up the, you know, he, yes, he hugs the American flag, but also he also hugs the gay flag. Okay. He holds it up in front of campaign rallies. Look who supports me now. I'm going, I can't dude, you're killing yourself. Stop embarrassing yourself. You're embarrassing to me. And everyone around me goes, what the fuck? They are. It's That's what they're saying out there. It's such a Pretty minuscule pathetic. amount of people. It's just mathematically an absurd right. thing to pander to. 
It's just a small amount of people. And if you're pissing off Gen Zs or Gen Ys or millennials or whatever the group is that is warming up to this rainbow coalition, fuck them. Who cares? They're Don't not feed into it. That's, that's what, what yes. Stop feeding into it, man. These kids are right. not going to vote for you in most cases anyway. They're, they are brain dead college, that's right. university types that have leftist professors. They're not going to flip a 180 and go, oh, and we're, you know, we're a red mega hat and vote for Trump. Come on. Just not going to happen. Yeah. None of, yeah, none of them are, are, are fence sitters. They're all uh, total ideologues on the left wing yes. camp of things. You're never going right. to, you're like you said, you're never going to get them. So why screw with them and right. jeopardize died in the world of hardcore people in the Gen X and the boomer crowd that's got the money and the power in this country. And you're just, yes. you're just, it's just stupid. It's just stupid. Amen. But, yeah. but we have the money and the power. Yep. Well, yep. I wanted to go in part to our interview eventually. Um, and Ari's a great guest, and he's got a lot to say. He's a smart guy. But um, I brought up the great replacement theory. Boy, that, that took him aback. He wasn't ready that for that one. I love well, that. I'm, well, I'm known for that. I yeah. wanted to react. And I go, you as a Jewish man, as a Jewish political con- consultant here, you are struggling to answer that a little bit, okay? Yeah. And my point is, it's a deep rabbit hole. I would advise him to research that more. And also I would ask him about APAC, um, the Israeli lobby in Washington, D.C. is the most powerful lobby in America. As a Jewish man, how do you feel about that? Yep. Do we want Israel dictating American policy? Well, I will go down that rabbit hole, as you know. And I will ask those oh, tough yeah. questions because these are things that people are really taking notice of on the nationalist Absolutely. section of our party, especially. And you see Gab yeah. every day. And they bring up ADL and APAC constantly. And, yeah. you know, it is true that I don't want any country, I don't care if it's Israel or Peru or Mexico, no one should have that much power in America as a foreign country. No. So. We have a lot more things to talk about in the future. That's for sure. Absolutely. But so what are your final Absolutely. thoughts to America here? Well, just on that line, I wanted to tell everybody, and I know I shared it yesterday and today. I made a, I made a re- video recently about a man that has been surprisingly relevant in today's discussions in the last 10, 15, 20, 30 years politically. And it was a video about Joe Kennedy Sr., and it's titled Joe Kennedy oh, yeah. Sr., an American Caesar. And I put it on BitChute. I got it out on Odyssey. I posted it on Gab a couple of times, and I've also got it on CloudHub. And it's on Rumble. So for anybody out there, yeah. you will be shocked at what we were taught to think about Joe Kennedy Sr., a ruthless, unscrupulous, uh, vengeful man who was evil, who was actually a, a, a Make America Great Again pioneer, an America First guy. He was against the war in World War II. He was diametrically opposed to Churchill. He allied himself with Neville Chamberlain, and he had sympathy and wanted to reach out for peace talks with Adolf Hitler and was promptly recalled. And that's just one little bit that I researched that I put out on that film. Some of those other tidbits we'll talk about next week, but it is shocking 
what we were. Oh, that's a good one. American Scotch. That's a great one because I have always told people the same, same thing. Um, The Kennedys, yeah, they were booted out of the government uh, because they did not want this war in Europe. And old man Kennedy knew it was all a big scam between the allies. Churchill had to have the war to get England out of depression. Also, they had to make Israel a state was part of the deal. Did that, and the Jews, the bankers, gave England the money to fight the war. England was freaking broke. People don't know these things. They were dead broke. We gave them equipment, and the Jewish bankers gave them money to back up their shillings and their pounds and their sterling over there in London, England. And that's how it went down before James Bond, 007, saved the world. But, yeah, it's true. It's true, man. It really is. I mean, this stuff is great. But, again, in the American media, oh, oh, man, Kennedy's terrible. He's corrupt. No, no, he's not one of our guys to die. That's That's America first right there. And he knew that communism was the problem. He was a staunch yes. anti-communist, as was his son, yep. JFK. People can see what they, what they want about JFK. But, again, I, I always tell people he was a conservative Democrat. Today, the Democrat Party would have nothing to do with him. He would be a nationalist today, JFK. Perfect. He wouldn't even be in the Absolutely. Democrat Party. That's how Absolutely. far left in communists they've gone. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's just a, it's amazing historical stuff that rarely gets the light of day. So they should check out that video. And let's talk about that more, okay, in upcoming weeks. That'd be great. Good stuff. Sounds good. You, got, you have a great night, and I appreciate the interview. Thank you. You got it. Thank you. Thank you. American Scotch, folks. Thank you, sir, for calling the Vada Weekend Show. We appreciate that. Well, we're in serious overtime, folks, tonight. Um, I'm going to get to the rest of you. But you got to keep your comments with, or, to three to five minutes, tops. Um, no rants. Keep them tight. Get your points out first. We have a little, a little bit of time here. Uh, we've had a lot of calls. So get a, uh, a drink or something. We'll be right back.
little bit of James Bond there. Had a little bit of intermission. If you got a drink or a cocktail. We're going to get to um, a couple more calls here. Let's get to the gunslinger in Texas, the Irish Pirate, to close out the show. Gunslinger, how are you doing, sir? Are you there? Well, oh, yeah, I'm here. I'm just uh, glad it's spring. Spring is sprung. My nose is sprung. So sprung. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> but uh, Finally, just, huh? Just real quick here. Yeah, finally. Oh man, I I hate this cold weather. I'm I'm not I'm not We're a still in winter mode here in Arizona. Flagstaff got a foot oh, of snow, yeah. gunslinger. You'd love it up there. Oh my god, a foot of snow. Oh shit. It oh was, yeah. Weird. And get this. It was 80. from Las Vegas to New Mexico. It's nothing but ice and snow. All the roads are shut down, man. How about those apples? Damn. It was 88 degrees. Yesterday. Northern Arizona. 88 degrees. It's like Colorado. Yeah. You're 88 today? Yeah, 88. Wow. Well, yesterday. Yesterday was 88. Yeah. Yeah, wow. <laughs> Crazy. Wow. But, uh, but real quick on two on the two subjects of Trump and the and the Jewish deal. Trump, okay. Okay, Trump, you know, there, there was no other on the ballot. You know, Trump has flown children in his airplane to medical hospitals. He has, he has mm-hmm. I mean, there was one thing. That I remembered that uh, uh, he had a flat on his limo, and this guy uh, was stopped and helped him change his tire, right? Or won some expensive right. car or whatever. He he goes out and pays his mortgage off. Have yeah, he did. He did. Off? Yes, yes, he did. And there was a there was there was even a black lady that lived in Trump Towers, and security was going to call the police and have her arrested. Trump came down from his from his office there and said, "You stay here for free." Oh, he's a racist, yep. huh? Wow. <laughs> she wins. Uh, oh, that's a hell of a racist. That's a hell of a racist, ain't it? Gee whiz. But, uh, you know, I don't know, on the Jewish thing, okay, these people here, I, I was not there during biblical times. Nobody living today was, okay? We just have to rely on what the Bible says, okay? Now, it says that in, throughout the Bible that God condemned the Jewish race, the Jewish people. Okay, I didn't say that. I didn't write it. It's clear in black and white in in the Bible. Okay, they hung the boss, and I'm not talking about Bruce Springsteen either. Okay, I'm talking about <laughs> the big guy, big the big guy, they hung the real him. big guy, big guy, the real. The real big guy, the main boss. They hung him or crucified. Right. Same thing. Okay, right. on that cross. Okay. The, yep. the the Christians didn't yep. do it. The Hindus didn't do it. Well, I hate to even say the Muslims didn't do it. Okay, the Chinese didn't do it. The Japanese didn't do it. The Australians didn't do it. The Jewish did. It's biblical. Now, it's, it's biblical, right? It is. The Jews us Barabbas. Give us Barabbas. They chanted, we want the murderer That's over the Son of God. That's it's a fact. It's biblical. Exactly right. We speak Power on my show. On my closing second here, think about if if back in that day, and they were doing this, the Jewish people were doing this to the the creator of everything. Up in heaven, this I like to compare this, all the angels are gathering around Angel TV. Get it? Angel TV? (laughs) Love that, right, right. And they're probably saying... 
and they're probably saying to their buddy angels, hey, guys, come over here and look at what them dumbass Jewish people down there are doing to the boss. I guarantee you 90% of them fainted. Yeah. Well. I guarantee you 90% of them. I mean, come on, really? It, it's biblical. It, it, it's like it didn't happen. Okay. It's biblical. Yes, it did. It's in the so, scriptures. Yeah, in the scriptures. I so tell people you all you got to do is read the scriptures. And look, I believe, strongly believe, because I'm a nationalist, Israel has a right to exist. The Jewish people have a country. It's called Israel. If you have your own country, you should live in Israel for the most part, right? Um, so they have their own, their own place, man. And it's a very rich country. So, oh, yeah, it is. you know, yeah, everyone's got a right to be here and a right to exist. But I agree right. that um, the Bible is very clear about some things. Now, people yep. will debate the Bible, but I go, your opinion in God's eyes means nothing. Oh, no. Put that yeah, your pipe and smoke right. it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, put that <laughs> your pipe and smoke it. Your opinion means nothing if you stand in by him or it or whatever. Your opinion you're going against him. Your opinion what's your opinion. opinion. Uh, yeah, doesn't count. Yeah, I mean, really, doesn't count. So I read the book, but you know, it. yeah, I know. But I mean, just can you imagine that? I mean, e- even if there's aliens out there, even if they were tuning in to Angel TV and they've seen it, they're probably going, well, "Oh my God, I'd hate to be in their shoes. I'd hate to be in their shoes." Well, here's what a lot of people do not know, and the um. Look, the uh, Jews are a tribe, and uh, though I don't like, don't like to, to, to talk about them too much on the show, but look, we, everything is game on a, on a radio variety show. But the Jews in Israel right now are not the chosen people. Okay, they're not. No, they're they're not. Khazarians. No, they're not. The real yes, Jews scattered biblically, right? Yep. The yep. 12 tribes of Israel. Now, that's a whole other rabbit hole. I'm not, I'm not here to be a theologian, which I'm not. Yeah. Uh, but, I'm not either. Scattered our, but the ones that went into Israel later are not the chosen people. Just keep that in the back of your head. They say they are. Oh, no. They want to co-opt that, More. but they're really not. They're from the um, Caucasus. They're, the, they're called the Khazars. And yeah, you can just pull up and research Khazars. K A K H A Z A R. You you will learn a lot about how they went down to Palestine and Israel and restarted that before it became a nation. World War II was designed, and not the only reason, but one of the side reasons was was to establish Israel as a state, which was done in 1948. A lot of people don't know that. It was. Yep. They had all kinds of things going on down down there. The Balfour Agreement, everything else. So interesting stuff, man. Well, for for many many shows so, in the future. Yeah. Oh yeah. Those those one last thing. Those Jewish prophets when they were trucking him out there to the to that cross, they knew who that who that entity was. They knew who it was. Okay. Yes, but they yet, did. They did it anyway. So they're just well, as guilty as bread, bread, okay? They're just as guilty as hell, okay? So 
on Judgment Day, whenever that comes, I don't know. I, I don't think they're going to be very happy with them. I don't think they're going to be very happy with them. Have a nice night. Well, we, we, we all know the famous story of Judas who sold out the mighty Christ for 30 pieces of silver, right? And then he hung himself. Yeah. That's yeah. fact. That's biblical. That had many yeah. witnesses to it. This is not mythology. These things went down. He sold them yeah, out, exactly. stabbed them in the back for 30 pieces of silver. So, folks, the moral of the story is don't be a Judas out there right. <laughs> in America. Don't be a Judas. Be a stand-up guy mm-hmm. or gal. Fly straight or don't fly at all. What they would tell you in the U.S. Air Force, fly straight, buddy. And uh, you'll, you'll really go places. You might even make general. Well, Gunslinger, thank you so much, man. Appreciate the call, buddy. And, uh, we'll talk and, some more about and, these and, things. Uh, and, There's so much to talk about. It's unbelievable. Yes, sir. And uh, and keep and keep and keep the blue side up. You know what that means. Your pilot. <laughs> keep the yep, blue side up. Yep, 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 yep. Got you, sir. No yep. doubt about it. <laughs> we'll fly the friendly All skies right, on this show. You. Thank you, Gunslinger. Have a great night, sir. Take care. All right. We appreciate you. And we want to thank our tech wizard, Irish Pirate, for our fun packs this week. And I like especially the Black Sheep Squadron. Irish, we're short on time. But I want to thank you publicly. And uh, we look forward to more of those next month, sir. A lot oh, to go absolutely. through tonight. But something. we will have you on next week for more time, I promise you. Okay. Um, one thing I can tell you, as far as they're really pulling the hoodwinks over us, if you have a train wreck with a, a bunch of bad chemicals that are spilled, uh, the dumbest thing you would ever do is light it on fire. Every other time, like let's say we were dealing before with Halon 1301 or aqueous film forming foam for you know a fire of some sort, you cap it. You stop the fire from burning, and then the chemical doesn't have a chance to disperse. I mean, I'm, right. I'm sorry to tell you this, but what happened in Ohio is Science. mass murder, of, mass murder of millions. Big like that, big right? Trouble. Right. It is. It is totally, oh, man. There's just so many things like that going on right now that if you knew the I know. science, if you knew the procedure, if you would just say, "Hey, just string them up." <laughs> you, you can't right. do that. But get away with it. Right. Period. Whenever you come on the and air, I'm blown away. I always think of that 1980 song, Science, because yeah. you always have the scientific perspective. Good stuff. Well, well also the metal uh, factory. Well, and, the, and also the you're a burning scientist. I know. They gaslight. Yeah, they, the parody I sent you is they gaslight me with science, which are doing also at the same time. Which is pretty amazing. Right. Um, here's another one that's a little bit like that. This so-called balloon thing. Uh, does anybody ever recall uh, using zeppelins for gathering intelligence? <laughs> I, I don't. The Hindenburg. I mean, in the intelligence Just industry, kidding. they never did that. Never. I, I mean, right. they never briefed me and said. Uh, I mean, is that a secret that they never did? Um, they never actually came out and said, well, we've got balloons going over China and Russia and everything. They don't know about it. <laughs> it 
No. Right. Um, they use other technologies. As we said before, there's only one or two things. They actually came out with another one that they do do, but it, it's all weapons. It's all weapons that can't right. be done with a satellite and really shouldn't be done with an airplane. Too obvious. And so if you really want to go stealth, yeah. you know, EMPs, and there are also certain types of missiles that you want underneath that magnetic field. Um, that, that's, that's the main right. thing. You, you're trying to avoid a magnetic field but keep it high enough that nobody can see it from the ground. And that's pretty mm-hmm. much what you use the Zeppelin for. None of that is used for intelligence gathering because they will eventually see right. you if you're up in the air too long. You want the missiles in flight before they see you. So I'm right. sorry about that, but, you know, if the thing went all the way across the country and you can't figure out what it was doing, it didn't do anything. It was a test run. So <laughs> sorry about that. It's a test but, run for an wow. EMP attack. That's what it is. Yes. The test run. Yeah, the dry run, man. You know that. Yeah. Well, and the, the only thing they were testing is whether or not – well, you got the Pentagon literally not telling Biden about it and then turning around and saying, well, we did brief him eventually. And that's the scary huh. part, um, especially – like you listen to Dane Whittington talking about what they're doing in the, in the, the skies, the weather. He keeps telling you right. there are people in the Defense Department that never get elected, and it doesn't matter who the president is. It doesn't matter what his political views are. They're still there. And those are the ones that actually keep saying, put up another DC-135. Let's drop a few more hundred tons over American cities and that type of thing. And it's the mm-hmm. equivalent in other countries that are doing the same. Right. I mean, America alone has not accounted for 33% of its defense airplanes. I mean, sorry about that, but that means some rich dude can get a hold of a few and have a party up there. And they are. Right. And so we've got all these wild things going on. And the worst thing is wild the average stuff, American. Man. Yes. I mean, look, uh, my chess team was out and got first place last time out on, on Saturday. I understand the sporting kind of thing, but, I keep that to a day. It's, it's like my recreation day. I got to know what's going on on the other days. Right. And uh, I'm I know. willing for it. The willingness and to Irish. discover it. Yeah, was Ohio the kill zone or what, man? The kill zone. Oh, um, water, that groundwater is contaminated. The air is effed up. And, they, and yeah. it's going to be a contamination zone. A little Chernobyl, if you will, or Fukushima. Give me, give me twenty seconds. Give me twenty seconds. Disaster zone. The first problem you you have is it's in the air. First problem you have is it's in the air. So that drifted eastward because that west to east is the most common, you know, airflow in the United States because of the spinning of the Earth. Sorry, it is, you know, a globe. Uh, Sorry, flat earthers, but it does spin like that, and. It makes most weather patterns go west to east. It's just a question of, you know, how it varies. You've got the jet stream and stuff like that. Then what happens is eventually it comes down. It is heavier than the air. It doesn't just rise up into the atmosphere and disappear like methane would. Right. And so the problem you now have is then it gets into the ground, which is one problem, and gets into the water, which makes it three times worse. I mean, maybe even I'll just I, I give a number like three times. Oh yeah, for sure. Way, way way worse. Yeah. So then it comes back across the Ohio River and starts going into into you know stuff that other people are using, although it's concentrated and at super low levels right now. But it's going to be another problem. Mike Adams did some math on the air, 
and said that the junk that's in the ground, in the water, and still a little bit in the skies is going to be on those farms and in that water and, and wherever the water goes for 10 half-lives, which is 500 years. I mean, yeah, that's right. Basically, no farming, that's right. no water distribution, 500 years, and probably when all is said and done on this one, it could easily kill a million people. Easily. No one knows yeah. for sure. Hey, but. Can you imagine when they grow corn next, next year and no one's going to want to say, oh, is that corn from Ohio? We're not buying it. Yeah. Don't want it. Well, we've already don't want it. We've already we've already mock proposed. Um, there were some writings in the past that said, well, in the future, though, even the canned goods will be contaminated. And we yeah. pos- uh, we gave up a, a, a postulate that basically said this: What if one percent of all the canned food in the grocery store right now would kill you? And we're getting right. really close to where that might be true. And so Ooh, there's true. some level where you're going to say even, yeah, no matter what it's labeled as, no matter what it's doing, what if you just can't trust the system? And we're getting right. really close to that. We're getting yeah, there, I mean, man. The we're getting there. Food. Scary. The label says it's good food. The grocery store says, you know, we, we get the best, freshest produce, blah, blah, blah. But it means BS, nothing right. if people are, are dying. If they're Everything dead, is you know fresh. You watch them die. Right. That's the thing. Right. Yeah. If you just look around, you, you want to know if they're playing around those skies, I'll give you a hint. Look up. I mean, even at night. Right. Find a flashlight. Check out what's up there. Buy our green beans, America. Uh, you want right. to know whether or not your medical system is rigged? <laughs> Take a look at the people if they leave the hospital. Right. I mean, seriously. Irish, and here's a new slogan for... Right. Here's a new slogan for Kroger. Buy our green beans, America. You won't die. Don't shop at Safeway. Shop at Kroger. <laughs> the healthier choice. Die. Less of you will die. It, right. Less, less of you will die at, at my here. store. Right. Hey, consider yourself lucky Americans. Long live freedom and liberty. Dun, da, da, da. And yeah, that's and, the future. And dead, and dead people from eating green A nightmare. Dystopian nightmare. Of course, totally. I was going to say, yeah, can't we at least name something I don't eat? <laughs> right. Anyway. Right. Yeah, we are. Yeah, so you're on your own now, America. You let too many people make too many of your decisions, and now – you have to suddenly make up all this intelligence in a very short period of time while they put more pressure on you by, I don't know, inviting Russia to nuke somebody. And at least I'll say this, there's a really strong chance the first thing Russia would hit is Hollywood. They really, really don't yeah. like what Hollywood puts out, and it's affecting their country in many ways. I, I see them actually being willing to just nuke that straight up. They don't even want what's left over if they could hit it with a smart bomb. They want the structures right. destroyed. And so I don't yep. like living in Arizona knowing that to my direct west, basically, you know, a little bit southwest, but, you know, I, I, I just can't imagine that being and, – and the hard part is, yeah, you'd only have to wait maybe a couple of weeks, I think, after it's over. Boy, that would be two weeks of hell. But at least right. if the Russians right. pull the trigger. Now, if the Chinese pull the trigger, you're much more likely to get something like New York 
you know, it's going to be much more likely to be a smart bomb. They want the infrastructure, all of it, including right. Hollywood. Right. They want all of it. Sure. And so now it, maybe maybe somebody else. You know, I've heard some really interesting stories that Germany and France would join them. Right. I mean, that's sure. That, I now realize that's a possibility. I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know if they absolutely will. It wouldn't be surprised. So I agree. Irish, thanks so much, sir. Get, yeah. Final comment. Oh yeah. I agree, man. I have no idea what they'll hit. I have no idea what they would hit. I'm out of options on that. <laughs> so man, a lot need, of options. The worst way. I can. We do. It's a target-rich opportunity. I can say no to shots, but I can't say no to nuclear bombs. I just can't stop a bullet with my brain either. So ah, yeah, no I'll go with man. what I can put up with. Yeah, if you're going to push shots on me, I'll just say no. And that seems to be the safest outcome. Just say no. So what you can <laughs> say no to. Everything else you no, America. I love it. Irish, thanks so much, yeah. sir. Have a great night. We appreciate no, you, man. Until Thank next you. time. You know it. Irish Pirate, our tech wizard. Great call. We have a lot to talk about all year long, no doubt about that. Well, America, I thank you for being here. We had a great VIP tonight with Ari Bradshaw. And we'll talk more about that as the weeks go by. We're in a new national political season. And uh, there's a lot to talk about. I'm sure we'll be on the show in many months from now. We'll talk more about the Tree Lake issues and her case in the appeals court, et cetera. Folks, stay safe out there. It's a crazy world. But come to this show every week for sanity, great talk radio, great music, great callers. And we thank all of you for being here tonight. God bless you all. From my studio stronghold in the mountains of Arizona, take it as it comes. Take it one day at a time. Good night. God bless.